With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, the sun beats down and the dark. Everybody, it is episode 79 of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. With me, as always, is Christine on the phone. Yes. Now, I don't know if um, you, we're synced poorly or if that's just you usually have a delay when you answer that question because you forget your name. Sometimes I have a delay. Indeed. Christine is on a phone that needs to be known to everybody because at least she has headphones in this time, so she's not leaving gross face sweat on her phone the entire time. We're happy about that. Uh, we are also joined by a very special guest star. Uh, let's give a warm feminine critique. Welcome, everybody, to the one and only <gasps> Fozzie, Jason Fozzie. Do I call you Fozzie or do I call you Jason? Yes, please. Call me Fozzie. I will. Um, especially when you sound like a little reindeer. You sound like a sick reindeer and it's adorable. I know. I feel like a sick reindeer. I, just, I, I guess I flew recently. And I can never fly without getting something. I yeah. got to start believing that airborne lady. I think I should take that before I fly, and I never do. So I always come home with something. Or is it when- that everybody else is taking it, and it's actually one of those like sicknesses where you are immune when you take it, but then you give it to people? Oh, maybe. Like everybody You're just else a carrier? is a typhoid Mary. And- yeah, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I, but somehow, I, I'm, maybe I am the only one that's not taking it. I'm just taking the brunt of all 800 people that's, that were on that, that plane. That is an absolute possibility. Did you fly Delta? Did you get the cookie at least? I did. Delta sucks. It sucks so hard. Um, they were. It was delayed. I, I, I've always had problems with Delta, but also this was the most terrifying flight I had ever had. Oh, really bad. 
really bad turbulence to the point where I was like, I'm always, I'm kind of a nervous flyer anyway. Like I always sleep on flights just because like it's a, it's a, it's a self it's preservation be thing. And like if you saw the Langoliers, you know, that's the only way you survive. So yeah, that's what I think too. So like yeah. if something goes down, I'd rather be asleep and just die in my sleep. So I usually fall asleep this time. I couldn't. Um, so I was awake and we hit really bad turbulence to the point where I was like muttering to myself and looking around and seeing if anybody, cause I always look around to see if everybody else is calm. Right, you're doing everybody that. I gotta else, get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Right. Everybody else was kind of freaking out. The guy across from me was crossing himself and holding onto the back of the seat and everybody was like oh, kind of screaming. Really it was awful. And then when we landed, everybody applauded. It was horrible. It was, I don't wow. want to fly again for a Very while. cinematic. But did you get the cookie? Um, I got a cookie. It wasn't a great the cookie. cookie. Is, you don't love those? I love those. That was a big oval one thing. Yeah, There's yeah, the two of them in a package. With, with Delta, like, you know, kind of etched into it in cookie form. Eh, I've had better cookies. Oh, man. That's it's like not, the most exciting thing about getting a cookie. It's not It's not a $400 <laughs> cookie. I, I will accept that. Uh, yeah. Now, let's talk about what we're talking about today, everybody. What movies are we covering? I'm very intrigued by um, the the connection of these two. They have a connection. I don't think, I don't think okay. there is one. Oh, there is. We can. Yeah, I think there we can establish one if if we so desire to. Now, I was. Well, I let's picked talking about it, and not tell anybody what they are. That's a better idea. So I I made the first pick, which was I can't remember how it started. If it started from me and Jason riding the train and suddenly quoting this movie. Or if some something made me think about this movie and I thought, you know, my husband's never seen it and I want to know what he thinks of it. And, oh, if we watch it, then we should totally cover it on the show. And Christine's going to hate the idea of watching it. But I think she might actually like it. And that movie is Beaches. Yeah. Fantastic choice. Thank I'm you. in 100% agreement. Uh, and so I said to Christine, all right, think of something to pair with it. And she picked Christine. I picked Neon Demon. The Neon Demon. Sorry, the neon demon. I just don't want people to get confused. I don't know confused. why. Yeah, it was an interesting. Why did choice. I pick that? I don't know. You just said it, and I right. felt like I was already putting you on the spot by saying beaches. So I wanted to agree with whatever you said. So I said, sure. Oh, I see how. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I might be looking for something that's not there, but my only connection—one of two connections—that I came up with was a. Um, both movies star, uh, star former child stars, kind of. Maya Bialik, when she was mm-hmm. uh, a kid. A, a child star, um, yeah. And, and um, uh, Jenna Malone, who was a child star who is now all, all grown up. Totally. That's kind of a very tenuous connection. Um, well, I the think other there's, thing- a, there's also the whole just women's relationships with each other. That, that was my second option, like yeah. female friendships. Yeah. The complexities of female friendships, mm-hmm. which might sound a little sexist, but I, I think they're fairly – it's fairly accurate that, like, women seem to have more complex relationships than men um, or at least talk about them more. Yeah. And I think um, – and I don't want to jump ahead into the review, but I think that was something as as an adult watching Beaches that I really did appreciate was that – this is not – as much as it, the movie is kind of a punchline for being, like, such a quote-unquote chick flick about, you know, women and dying and all that, I think it's also right. really brutal and honest about female friendship in a way that's really cool, especially when you then compare it to something like Neon Demon, which is sort of the extreme of that. Yeah. 
So we are going to delve deep into this shit, guys. Before there's a we lot do to that, talk about. What's that? There's a lot to talk about, and I'm a glad that I'm lot. here since yeah. I understand women more than anybody. Well, obviously, you are a gay man, so right. your need, knowledge. I need to be told about myself, please. I totally got this, guys. Sit back. I'll handle everything. <laughs> you should start a service where you do that, by the way. Yeah, like I, I want to – so I don't want it to sound pejorative, but I want to explain to you as a man if there was some mm-hmm. kind of term for that. That's what I want to do. Uh, like being a man, I want to like, explain it. Dude, like explain a manning. Dude talking. Explain a manning is what we'll call it. Explain a manning. I like that. I like that, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. so before we jump into the movies, we usually uh, talk a little bit about what we else we were watching-ish. Uh, now, mm-hmm. yep. Ozzy, when you last joined us, we um, talked about the Red Shoes and a Chorus Line. Mm-hmm. I what don't expect you to tell me everything you've watched since then, because that would be a very long show. Every movie. Every movie okay. and television episode. But, so uh, that was late December of last year. So then the 27th of December of last year, what I watched was, I don't know. But honestly, um, I haven't watched a lot of movies. I agonized about this a little bit. You're a TV guy, aren't you? I am. I am. My my um, Apple TV died, so I don't have Netflix on the TV right now, and I'm kind of loving it. Like I'm just, and I have cable again, so I've just been watching. Like every once in a while, I watch a, a movie on TV, but very rarely. I'm mostly watching reruns and a couple shows. So I have a very short list of things that I've watched, um, and it's a lot of TV. That's so okay. I, it. Um, first, uh, has, have either of you watched Search Party yet on TBS? No. Have, no, I Christine? saw a preview for it at the movie. I feel like, like you would really like it, Christine. I think you would yeah, really appreciate like it. Commer- there was a commercial before a movie once, and I said, oh, that looks good. That's the one They're with Baby from the Arrested Development, right? Yeah, uh, Aaliyah Shawcat. Um, and I don't know why, but I've been excited about this show for months. I've been dying good. to see it. It really it, – it, it looks great to me. Um, it couldn't uh, possibly live up to my expectations that I'd set in my head, but I really, really like it. Um, it's just – it's like these hipsters trying to solve a mystery, and it, that's all you need to know. It's, it's basically – that's the theme of the movie, just like hipsters trying to solve a mystery of one of their missing friends. Um, and it's, it's good. So I highly recommend it. I'm four episodes in. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I'd recommend that one. And I don't know, Christine, have you jumped on the train yet of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I haven't yet. You need no. to. I keep telling her to, and she no. keeps not listening to me. I, she keeps telling but me. I, but I know you're not a musical fan, so I don't know if you would appreciate it that much. Um, so, uh, But I've been watching a lot of that, and I've been loving it. And I, forgot, I don't know if I told you this, Emily. Um, when I was in Atlanta recently for my work uh, conference, um, my friend Nick, who you know, Nick Human, he texted uh, and he said, guess who I'm standing next to? Vince freaking Chung was nice. right there. Yeah. Not wait. Is that the right name? No. Uh, is that his name? Vince uh, Chung? Not Chung. That doesn't sound no. right. No. Who is Vince Chung? Sorry. But um, Josh from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Josh Chan. Yeah. He was Josh Chan. Uh, Vince Josh Chung is Chan a person. Is I'm not being I think it's Vincent something is the actor's name. but Yeah. Um, but Vince Chung is a person. I'm not being just racist. I know it's a person. <laughs> I can't remember who it is. Though. Um, but uh, he was at the bar that I always frequent, uh, this bar downtown. He was there with his husband um, and standing right next. And Nick, I think he got a picture with him and he talked to him for a while. The, the actual text that Nick sent, I can't find it right now, but it said, uh, Josh from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is here. Dude is thick. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a big, broad, beefy nice. fella. So, yeah, I missed him at the bar. Um, so I've been watching a lot of that. Josh Chan. 
Josh Chan. That's correct. Um, yeah, Vince. Vince, I gotta I wish I could remember his name, but I'll never remember it. But anyway, my friend Nick said he's thick AF, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and hopefully he'll be at that bar again because I know I used to. I don't know if I ever told you this. I think I did tell you. I used to chat with him on a social media. Yeah, Josh and I used to chat on a social media like dating app, mm-hmm. um, very briefly, and it was very briefly like occasionally it's like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? And then like the, the conversation would never go anywhere, and we had a couple like short, slightly longer conversations, but it never went anywhere. And then he ended up on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I was like, ah, oh, I could have had that. As the third. Yeah, there it is. And the guy that he ended up marrying too is like kind of chubby and bearded and like totally, totally you, yeah. Exactly. But I'm very happy with the one I ended up with. So I, I don't want anybody to think. I mean, you already had a relationship with, you know, somebody that worked on Step Up 3D and that didn't last. And I know. You just keep teasing me. I, lo- I love your boyfriend. He's fabulous. Wonderful. I love him. But you, you kind of keep teasing me with what could have been. I don't, I don't know if we've told – have we told the listeners that I did date the cinematographer from Step Up 3D, I one mean, of your favorite movies ever? It, and now they should be equally as pissed as I am that this relationship yeah. didn't last. And I know well, – I'm do, just you, excited that it even happened. I know. It, at least it happened to me for a brief period of time. It was very brief. But I know that Emily has never forgiven my current boyfriend for not being the, the choreographer or the cinematographer from Step Up I mean Up deep 3D. down, yeah, but I don't forgive my husband for not being – not having worked on Step Up either, so – Okay, fair, fair. Um, but anyway, so that's Vince. That's Vince. It was never meant to be, but he. We, I'm like one degree away from him. Hopefully, I'll get that one degree taken out sometime soon, and we'll all be side by side with him. So, if you haven't watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I highly recommend it, especially if you like musicals. Um, if you don't, I don't think you're going to like it. So, I, I, I'm not going to push know. it. I it's not the show for everyone. I think there's a lot to it. I think, especially anybody that's ever interested in shows about sort of not like. Like the whole damaged people and kind of mentally unstable people. I, th- I think there's a lot there, even if you're not a musical fan. Yeah, but I think as soon as it goes into a music a musical number, if you're not a musical fan, you're going to roll your eyes and get really disappointed quick. I don't know. Christine, you're going to be our guinea pig. Yep. Watch the show. It's on uh, Netflix. Yep. I have yeah, the give next it a couple try. days off, so maybe I'll take a look. Do it. Yeah, Watch an episode or two and see what you think. Like, if, honestly, if you don't like it, it's not. It, this isn't one of those shows where I'm going to tell you you have to like it. I can see you not liking it. If you don't after one episode, don't worry about it. It'll be my thing. It doesn't have to be yours. Oh, well, thank you for that. I'll, yeah, I, I, I'll I won't give... love you a lot less. I'll just love you like like a, a pinky nail less than I do now. Yeah, oh, that's fine. Just a, yeah. just a, a scotch. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've been watching a lot of is the Exorcist TV sh- series because Gina Davis um, is amazing. She's so um, great. And like as a human she's being, so good. she's so great. And it's so funny. They so um, they showed uh, – I don't want to give anything away, but they showed her as young uh, – they cast a young actress to play young Gina Davis on the show. And – she looked so much like Gina Davis. I thought it was great casting. Why is Gina Davis the easiest person to I, cast at what any if, age? What if she was like the granddaughter of the woman who played old Gina Davis? Oh, oh my God. What if it's like you this, just blew oh my, my brains. God. What if there are clones? What if they are actually like the experimental family for cloning? And like I, it's, there is one family of clones in the world and it's all Gina Davis. 
I, for one, salute our new Gina Davis overlords. I would be so fine fine with that. that. The world's going to be so much more feminist. Oh, love it. There are a few people in the world that I consider just like kind of perfect people. Mm -hmm. I think like Steve Martin is on that list for me. I just consider him a perfect person. Um, uh, 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 What is it? Terrence Crews? Oh, Dolly Parton, obviously. Uh, Terrence Crews? That's not right. Terry Crews. Yeah, Yeah, Terry Crews. Yep. Terry Crews, a perfect person, and uh, Gina Davis, a vaguely yeah. perfect person. Matt Just Rushmore. love everything about her. I, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. Um, I've also been watching – oh, so uh, since we talked last, one thing that I have watched a lot of was uh, in the month of October, I watched – what is it called? Shocktober on AMC? Mm-hmm. Or no, Fear Fest. Fear, Fear AMC, Fest Fear on AMC. Fest, yeah. Yep. So I watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets's. I watched all of the Halloweens's, and I watched all of the Friday the Thirteenth's. Any uh, new observations in watching it at this point in life? Um, like the the voices, I, I noticed. It's funny how there are like certain voices from an era that you can't really recognize until you're farther away from that era. Like you know, when we think of movies from the '40s, everybody kind of talks like this, mm. and they're very fast talking. You know. <laughs> yes. um, this is going to be a really good point, I think, because I've noticed this as I, well. Yeah, and, like, you can't notice it until you're far removed from it. And I did notice that, like, in this, like, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 4 just again last night, actually. Eddie had never seen it, and that's my all-time favorite I one. Rennie Harlan one. directed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the one with uh, Lisa Wilcox as Alice. The cockroach. Yep. Yep, obviously. Great. Um, so I watched that again. It's my favorite. Eddie had never seen it. And I noticed that, like, all the girls kind of talk like this and they're very soft. And it was just, all of the women had the exact same voice in the movie. And I was wondering, I was like, is that a, like a time era that like all women did? So now I have to do some research and see in like the late eighties, early nineties did like right at that turning point. Yeah. Did all women have a very soft lilting voice? It was very strange. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to imagine now I'm like thinking like, okay, in the nineties, it's a very like, and again, I'm just going to scream because that's the easiest example of it. And it was that much more sort of perky, know-it-all. Rapid fire. Kind of, yeah. And almost yeah. a repeat of the 40s and in a in a different way where it's a yeah. you know, different slang and everything. But it's very very self-aware. It's that Kevin's, Kevin Williamson dialogue. Uh, hmm. What, what an interesting hmm. experiment. Yeah, and I'm wondering if, like, the 80s were, like, a return – because that was the era of, like, Melanie Griffith and Working Girl. She kind of had that voice, you know? Like, it's a little airheaded, but it's smart. So it's, like, like second-wave feminism, I guess. I think we're on, like, third wave now. I'm wondering if it has something to do with feminism. So I'm not sure. But that was just a weird observation I took away from that movie. But I will also tell you, um, from The Nightmare on Elm Streets, the fourth one is my favorite, Dream Master, mm-hmm. uh, from, the Hall- from the Halloweens. Um, I, I, like, I don't want to be cliche. But the first one's really great. I think I'll just oh, put yeah. the first one out, obviously, because it's obviously the best one. But of the rest, I still really love part four. I know H2O. people hate it, but I... Damn it. H- <laughs> well, oh, no, you thought it was... Sorry. <laughs> no, I do love I love H2O. It's just a little too short. That's my only problem with that movie. I do. Uh, we've like, talked about I, H2O. I have so many problems with H2O. Forever. Ugh, I there's can like watch that two, movie on repeat. There's like two kills in it. I just wanted exactly. more. They was, unkill everybody. It's like, no, no, they didn't, yeah. really, no, they didn't really die. Like, there's like nine characters in the movie and two of them die. Yeah. You know? And even Michael Myers doesn't die if you watch the yeah, next movie. Right? Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that was dumb. Um, but of the Friday the 13th, I just love – the first one, first of all, is 
a lot better than people think of it. Like it gets kind of lumped into the rest of them as this, this typical fair. slasher. Yeah. The first one's more like a giallo or a whodunit. You're it's right. Really yeah. great. And the actors are really on point. Like you care about these characters. They're funny and quirky mm-hmm. and interesting. So I really like the first one. I highly recommend people go back and look at that all by itself. But of the rest of them, what you consider uh, the Friday the 13th, I love the third one and um, Jason on a boat. Uh, <laughs> Jason, Jason, takes Manhattan Jason takes Manhattan. Yep. Yeah. I, I love those two. So those that's everything that I've watched and everything that I feel. Yeah, I will. I'll agree with you on Halloween 4. I always thought I really didn't like it, and I caught a lot of it this year because it kept airing. And there's a lot of good in that movie that I had forgotten about. There is. Yeah. And little Danielle Harris is so just amazing. Good. She is so Like eight good. years old. Yeah. Carrying I, that movie. Just fantastic. Still fantastic. Love her. Always want her to do well in her career. Um, yeah, she was. Too. She was so good in that. Yeah. Well, nice. Yeah. Now, uh, Christine. Oh, can I ask one more thing? You I'm sorry can, to interrupt. You're our but... guest and you're a man, so you can take over and... everything if you want. <laughs> I, as Grab my pussy. This isn't something, a movie or even a TV show, but have either of you watched, uh, I mentioned this to you, I'm sorry, has, have either of you listened to or heard of Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me? <laughs> no. Nope. I mentioned it to you yesterday. You did. It's a new podcast. No, I've it's not heard news- of this. It's so good. It's a musical podcast parody of Serial. Um, and in it, uh, what's her name? Koenig. Um, the woman from Serial. Uh, not Melissa Koenig. Uh, whatever her name is. That was going to be Sarah, my question. Sarah if Koenig. I haven't listened to Serial, will I still enjoy it? You know culturally enough, yes. Yeah, true. You're, you're going to understand it because everybody talked about it for a while. Yeah. So it, they actually get Broadway performers to to do this, and um, it's like uh, it's a little musical about the production of Serial. So if you can get over the fact that it's basically about the murder of a teenage girl, <laughs> it's really cute and quirky <laughs> and fun. Nice. I highly recommend that to everybody. I'm having such a good time with it. I will. I will download it. Okay, good. And now I'm really done. Okay, are you sure? Do you want to let Christine talk, or do you do you want to talk for her? I always feel like when I get on the show, I over me. I talk over Christine. Oh, that's just because her connection's always the worst. I know. Hey, <laughs> that's true, but not today. It isn't. Yes, it is anymore. Well, no, it's good now. It's pretty, pretty sure. bad. Yeah. Oh well, that's good. <laughs> My <laughs> at least somebody on this show tells me the truth. I there. That's what I think of you with my pinky, Christine, my dearest, yes. my beauty, my love. What have yes. you been watching? Well, I'm not going to go through everything because I don't want to take up that much time. But I'll we, give you we had some a high long gap between shows this month. Well, I'll give you some high points. Um, my mom came and visited, Yay. and I went and saw the arrival oh. with her. What did you, okay? I, I I haven't seen it. Obviously, I don't want anything spoiled. But is it? Did you really like it? People are talking about it like it's really good. No, <gasps> really, I didn't like it. Oh, I thought it was boring. <sighs> but I'm the only one, so don't listen to me. Interesting. Yeah, you're the first person that I know of that's seen it that I've heard give it a negative review. Interesting. I just wait, it didn't wait more do important anything question. For me. I love you, but what did your mom think? She fell asleep a bunch. Oh boy. Okay. Interesting. But it just, I don't think it was for me. It was, it was, it wasn't enough of any one thing. It wasn't enough of an alien thing and it wasn't enough of a, 
love will save us thing. Okay. So it was just kind of like, um, but I saw that and I also saw shut in. Oh, Do you know what this movie is? Yeah. I also thought it oh, looked yeah. good and then I've heard really bad things about it. <laughs> it was real, real bad. Aww. Uh, yeah. It's a, so, it's a really good cast. Um, so I, I write for film school rejects now. Nice. I you know that. Oh, nice. So, I got over my crippling fear Excellent. of having an opinion on the internet. Good. Um, yours are I awesome. still want to, th- thank you. I still want to throw up every time I submit something. Um, so if you want to read about what I thought about shut in, I, totally I wrote an article about it. I also wrote something about nocturnal animals, which was a very good movie. Okay. Nice. And you That's should go the, see. Um, the, the meta Jake Gyllenhaal is Fisher. That one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's real, real good. Um, and I think I'll just cap with this. The most surprising thing I watched. Do you know that that um, there's a movie with Sam Jackson and um, what's that boy's name? What is his name? Oh, I wish I could remember his name. Damn it! You know that guy that was in fourteen. John Travolta. Fourteen. John Cusack. John Cusack. Do you know that there's yes. another Sam Jackson and John Cusack movie? Is it Cell? Um, that's Cellular? A, yeah. It's Cell. Yeah, um, I read that book years ago. And year by year... Oh, the Stephen I, King one. Yeah, years ago, yes. and it was going to be like the big Stephen King movie. It's actually really good. The movie? Yes. Really? Why? I, why did... Perfect. Record scratch because we have bad technology issues, just like Cell, the Stephen King novel turn movie that Christine really liked, which we were talking uh-huh. about. Um, and Jason had asked, why did that? Why was that not a big thing? I think the book was written somewhere in the early 2000s, and it was a big book. Like it was one of the bestsellers. It was kind of his return to form, quote unquote. But I think for whatever reason, it kind of like labored in development hell for a while. There were a bunch of different people attached mm-hmm. to it. And then I think by the time they got to it, which was probably cause like the rights were running out or something. Um, there had been almost two, a two things. One, the actual technology of the book was kind of silly now. Cause in the book, it's all about if somebody calls you on your cell phone, you go crazy, but nobody calls anybody on cell phones anymore. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing being, I think, zombies got really big but then got so oversaturated in the market that zombie things haven't been doing that well if they're not called the walking dead so i think that's why it ended up on like streaming straight to streaming and vod but christine you're a fan yes i liked it a lot more than i thought we actually watched it to make fun of it and then it's disappointing sometimes 20 minutes in i was like oh my god this is a real movie this is good (laughs) Um, so they also, all the things that you're saying about the technology, I mean, you read the book and I didn't, but they, they answer those questions fast and they get to a point where it makes sense and it's relevant fast. Interesting. Oh, nice. And was this on demand? I really liked it. Uh, I think we illegaled it. Hmm. Oh, okay. It'll come to streaming soon, I think. I I think it was on DVD for a while. And I'll push it hard once it does, because I was really surprised. It didn't have any of that stupid Stephen King shit. There was no dumb <laughs> Stephen King dialogue. Like, it was it was really good. It was like, it's like somebody took the seed of his really good, interesting story right. and translated it to an equally good movie, which 
sadly doesn't happen as much as I would like because I think he does have really interesting things to say a lot of the time. It's just I don't like the way he gives it to me. Yeah, and I think that's even you could see that even in his nonfiction and his essays. Like yeah. when Stephen King kind of releases like statements and tweets about things, they're usually really on point. Exactly. Like I think I like the dude. I just don't like his style of writing. I just don't want to give him five hundred pages and have him fuck it up for the last two hundred. Yeah. Well, so it's somebody- funny. Well, his tweets are great. His short stories are really good. The longer form stuff is where he has problems. He just always stumbles at the ending. Yeah, The only exception I can think of is Salem's Lot, and I think it's in part because the movie kind of frames it, so then the ending is really quick. Oh, you Um, mean in... In the book. In movies? No, I'm talking about the, the novel. Okay. The ending of this is actually really good. Interesting. And I remember Great. thinking the same thing about the novel, like, oh, here's another crappy Stephen King ending. But I don't remember how it ended, so. Interesting. I will go. I, I really liked, I heard they're making Gerald's game finally into, oh, you know into a movie. It? It. They are. Mike Flanagan's making it. Yeah. Oh, shit, yo. I think it is Carla oh, really? Gugino and somebody else that's very attractive. Um, hmm. Directed by Mike Flanagan, who you were because I can't remember if we talked about this, but you were not a fan of Ouija Origin of Evil, right, Jason? Right. Well, we went and saw it together. Yes, I was we not. Did. I had to wake you up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wasn't, but I still like him. I still like the dude. Yeah. I, it's just that wasn't my type of movie. But no, I, I will definitely see this. However, Carla Gugino, I've never fully forgiven her for one of the worst line readings ever in that Watchmen movie. Oh my god. She was horrible in that movie, and I've never forgiven her for how bad she was. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, I'll it's get over it hopefully that one makes day. Me so angry because I always liked her. But what about in Troop Beverly Hills? I did too. She's Chica, no, remember? Yeah, she's fantastic in a lot of stuff. I, it's just, it's so funny. I don't know what went wrong with that Watchmen movie, mm-hmm. which I actually really like. But her performance is one of the worst she's performances good, I've man. ever seen in a big screen movie. Oh, it was she's rough. Not in that movie. And I really like that nah. movie too, but she's she's one of the and so is Malin Ackerman's pretty weak in it too, and I really enjoy well, her. Well Malin Ackerman's just really miscast. I yeah. I don't yeah, and I, her. I just think that character is supposed to be older, is supposed to be is not supposed to be like hot chick, and that's how they cast her and used her, I think. Yeah. And I just don't and think I she like has the Malin Ackerman. supposed to have. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've only seen Watchmen once because it's like really long. Uh, it's really it long, is. and I mostly have casting issues. Like even Patrick Wilson, who like we all know I love Patrick I know, Wilson, completely he's miscast wrong in that part. He's completely miscast. Yeah. Like, yeah. That character is supposed to be a middle-aged, paunchy, like you know, kind of not young and superhero-esque, and you cast fucking Patrick Wilson. And <laughs> it's everything that Patrick Wilson is fighting against exactly. every single day of his life. <laughs> So what were you saying about Patrick Wilson's eye cream? Well, I'm watching Insidious. It's on in the background right now. And there's this scene <laughs> in Insidious where he's talking to his wife and he's putting eye cream on while he's talking. And I'm like, don't try and talk all normal while you're putting eye cream on, Patrick Wilson. But That's see, obviously the... very odd. No, no. But here's the thing. If you look like Patrick Wilson, you you put on eye cream every night. So I kind of appreciate no, I... that the movies – it's like when you see in a movie when there's a really, like, hot, ripped character and they show them working out. It's like, yeah, yeah. no. Because you know what? I have to believe this character can take an hour out of their day to do this. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I know Patrick Wilson has a beauty regime. You're showing it to me. I believe that. 
Yeah, it's an that's an obvious bias that I have, and not based in reality. It's just something that uh, really stands out and is awkward to me, and I totally understand it. It's my issue, not Patrick Wilson's issue. Look, Patrick Wilson is seventy five years old, and if you want to look that good at seventy five, wow. you put eye cream yeah. on every he night. He looks good. Seriously, that's true. Keeping keeping it tight. That's right, that ass. Uh, all right, Christine, do you have any more? Um, no, but I will say, just for good measure, I saw Ouija, Origin of Evil. That's right. As well. I finally saw it. What did also, you know, do you do you know, do you know that that's a direct prequel of the, of Ouija? I figured it out at the very end when, in the end credits, I saw... I figured yeah. it out three days later. <laughs> well, I figured it out because of the, it was actually a really weird thing, because the, it, it has a, um whatever you call a tag at the very end. And we waited yeah. for the credits. But during the credits, because you're sitting there in the theater watching them, I see Lynn Shay's name. And Brandon and I look at each other. We're like, Lynn Shay wasn't in this movie. I'm like, was she? I'm like, maybe she was just like, it, maybe her scene was cut. Maybe she was in the background. I don't know. And then this isn't giving anything away. At the very end of the movie, there's Lynn Shay. And then I put together the character name. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this was a prequel. Like an actual prequel. Yeah, I didn't a prequel that wasn't. I didn't realize to that. Yeah, I forget. Did you? Say I, I didn't realize it until days later when Zach was like, "Hey, did you know?" And I was like, "Actually, I hadn't realized." <laughs> what did you think of it, Christine? Um, it was fine. Yeah. Did yeah. your mom like it? I wasn't. My I, she actually didn't go. She <gasps> um, it was about to go, leave the theaters here, so we just went the weekend before she showed gotcha. up. Terrible daughter, but gotcha. I am. I'm awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I mean, it's probably my least favorite of his films so far, but I still liked it way more than the yeah, majority sure. of, you know, a, a theatrically released horror film in 2016. Nice. I, I was just really disappointed with the pacing of it. I thought it was paced really poorly. And that surprised and, me because uh, I thought, like, the character stuff to me was so charming and, like, real and kind of, I, I liked that family so much. And I, it seemed like a kind of family you would have liked. And uh, no, I did like the family, um, but also I, I, I had questions afterward. It's one of those movies, the more I thought about it, like days later, yeah. it's like, wait, it didn't make any sense. Why? I still don't understand why the monster that was inside that little girl, the demon that was inside that little girl, gave the parents money. Like, why did it go and find that money so they could stay there? So she could stay in the so house. Could, so they could keep manipulating her? Yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah, demons don't need money. I always forget that. <laughs> You're thinking, like, uh, the demon could have really bought a sweet car if, you know, it hadn't given it all to yeah. the girl. <laughs> right, okay. No, I guess that the doesn't make sense. The demon was, like, eyeing those 300 uh, uh, thread count sheets, thinking, like, that would be a great ghosting sheet for me. But, uh, I got right. a budget. Ooh, Casper mattresses, That's here right. I come. Nice. Yeah. All right. So and how me, about you, Emily? Okay, what have I'll you run watched? Through. It's been a while. So um, for Halloween, uh, my friends and I went to a viewing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So it was fun to see that mm-hmm. on the big screen. Um, for actual Halloween, I watched. I don't really have a tradition of Halloween of like what I watch, but this year I really wanted to rewatch the original Night of the Living Dead. Uh, it had been a few oh nice years, yeah, and I. Still love it. It is. It, I mean, it's it's my second favorite of of that. Dawn of the Dead still my all time favorite movie. Um, but Night Living Dead, man, that's where it began. That's where it began. Um, yeah, yeah, great movie. Seriously, still kind of on the Halloween train. I uh, watched on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime has this thing where like they have a lot of 
cover art that has nothing to do with the movie or is just like a really oh. bad representation of the movie. So I watched a movie called Burn Witch Burn, which I thought was mm-hmm. going to be like a sleazy sort of witch hunting, like 70s European movie. And it's yeah. actually a totally classy, like really kind of good um, supernatural drama written by Richard Matheson and another Twilight Zone writer. It's like, I was a no. little disappointed because it was that same thing where like I kind of sat down thinking I was going to watch a shitty movie and instead I'm like, oh, this is good. There, There's some interesting gender things going on here and, you know, the acting's actually very good. But it was, it was from the 70s though? Uh, no, it was from like 61, I think. Oh, 60s. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's older. It's, it's black and white. Um, actually, no, it would have been... Yeah. yeah, it's right around Twilight Zone time, so it's like 1962 or something. But it's actually really good. Okay. Um, I had somehow never heard of it. It also goes by the title Night of the Eagle. Um, nope. But it's just not one I've ever heard discussed, but I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Uh, another movie I watched, Killer Joe... With Matthew oh, McConaughey. And had you seen it? I had not. Uh, oh, I had I'm meant so to forever, but I just never got around to it, so I finally got the Netflix disc. Um, this is Will Friedkin and Tracy Letts again, who did Bug together, which we covered Bug a long time ago. And we oh, it. yeah. Um, no Michael Shannon in this one, which is a little disappointing, I'm not going to lie. Um, but this was good. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I found it really... I, I did find it to me it, it was a very violent black comedy uh, it, it's interesting I watched like one of the extras where like they're talking about the different like how a different type of person is going to watch it and be disgusted and some people are going to watch it and find it really funny and I guess I'm one of those people so whatever that says about me <laughs> um, moving on Christine you... oh, wait can I just interject you do have a really dark side Emily I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> like, there are movies that you recommend, and you're like, yeah, it was okay, it wasn't that bad, and I watch it, and I am petrified. <laughs> and, like, what was that one, Megan is Missing? Megan is Missing, yeah. That disturbed me. Well, like, I, I had nightmares for weeks. I'm not, it's not like somebody's like, hey, I want to watch a movie with my girlfriend, what should I watch? And I'm like, oh my god, Megan is Missing. Like, no, I see, it's I'm so like, funny. like, a really, like, heavy movie, Megan is Missing was really good. Emily's really mean. It- I am also that. Yeah, it, and she brought that <laughs> that what was it the Nigerian rape comedy? <laughs> I still like I still Hound. haven't watched it because I'm yeah we got a horror hound a couple years ago. There was I wish I had it in this room, but it's in the other room. There was a movie called The Holy Serpent, and the DVD cover the front of it looks like a Tyler Perry movie. It's like this woman and she's kind of making like a mm-hmm face, and there's like all these men mm-hmm. behind her and they're all smiling and like it's like clearly and they have bubba teeth. They have what? Bubba teeth. They have like fake bubba teeth in too. Those <laughs> big do. buck teeth. And, and so it looks like a really goofy comedy. Totally. And then the back of it, like the description is basically like there's a picture of a woman like with a torn dress screaming. And the back of it is apparently. She is getting raped to death on the back of this. I shouldn't be laughing. And I sound like no. a human being for doing so, don't I? <laughs> You, there's a darkness to you, there's Emily, and I like that. Yeah, I think. Well, did I tell you recently that I kind of had that? Um, like, remember in Thirty Rock when Liz goes to her high school reunion and discovers that she was actually the high school bully? Yeah, I've kind of started to wonder then about myself because here's the thing: I am the youngest of a family <laughs> of four. So, I can 
can totally see it. Yeah, like, my whole life, like, I've always been kind of, like, you know, beaten up on, and, and like, within my family, like, I'm the low one on the totem pole, because I'm the youngest. But, yeah. like, I've always said, whenever I, we talk, I remember when we used to do um, Glee cast, I would always say to Erica, like, where are these high schools? Like, I went to high school, I was fat, I was in band, I was a nerd. Like, I never got teased. I never got, got like, beaten up. And I think I finally realized maybe the reason I don't think there were bullies in my life is because I was actually the bully. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Like, I Have you gone to a reunion to see? I did. I went to my, my 10-year reunion a few years ago. Um, was everybody terrified of you? Oh, my God. Kind of, well, yeah. It was actually a really interesting experience. I was really drunk, um, so much to the fact that I it was it was like fifty bucks for open bar. And I so. started berating people and attacking people. I did. I called all of those popular girls fat. Um, no, but I well I I drank the place out of Frangelico. I was drinking Peter and jellies all night, which is Chambord and Frangelico. And at the end of the night, I went to get another drink, and I asked for one. They're like, "Oh, actually, we're out of Frangelico." So, oh god, there was that. And no, there was like there was a few people that like made the point of coming and saying hi to me. And like there was one girl that like did used to make fun of me in like second grade. And I really think like she dropped out of high school. And now I'm starting to think like, wait, did I say something that made her drop out of high school? I don't know. Point being, like. Yeah, no, I ended up feeling really confident when I left my high school reunion. Nice, good for you. No, it's totally true. Like, I was a bully, and I'm only, I'm coming to terms with that now. So, if any, like, peep, I'm going to do, like, that Billy Madison thing to Steve Buscemi. Like, if I did offend anybody, or if I've ever, like, put anybody down, I'm sorry. Don't, don't come back and kill me. Instead, come back and save my life. How's that? Like, I'm genuinely sorry if I was... It's out in the universe. I did not know I was one, and I apologize for that. I was masking insecurity, apparently, with overconfidence. Who knew? And that should take care of that. Indeed. (laughs) Done and done. uh, Now, on to a movie recommendation from Christine. This was a movie that, like, I had no intention of watching, because I liked the first one. Eye cream and all, Jason. Uh, didn't like the second one, but Christine was like, I really liked Insidious Chapter 3. Do you remember this one? Yes! So, it's on HBO Go. I'm like, let me give it a try, because, I mean, Christine said it was good. So, (laughs) I watched it. Okay, I watched it. This was great! It's so good! It's really good! Is this the one with the girl and her mom died, and she has the casts on? Yes! Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't... No, I didn't. I just saw the trailer. This so it's directed wow, it by Lee Winnell, who wrote all of them, and you know has worked with James Wan on like everything they do, and he definitely like you know was kind of going with the same framework of here's what works, here's what doesn't. The jump scares in this movie actually got me. Ooh, nice. Yeah, and that very rarely happens. I liked everybody, like, I was invested, and the best fucking thing about this movie that is so smart is this movie figures out very quickly, hey, you know what we have? We have Lynn fucking Shay in our movie. We're gonna just make this Lynn Shay's movie. And she... It, it really is, isn't it? Yeah. And they let her, like, they give her so much. They give her kind of... Like, not a deep backstory. They just give her, like, you find out, you know, her husband recently committed suicide. There's, like, all these, like, tender moments that immediately you know exactly what she's going going through. Uh, They let her be a fucking badass. 
and they just Ugh. they just give her the movie, and it's like really I felt so good watching this movie, and I was so glad I gave it a chance. Nice. I will put that on my list. Yeah, and I honestly I don't think you need to have seen two. Um, good. Like I didn't couldn't remember anything about two when watching this one because two to me was very very confusing and jumbled, and this does yeah. kind of stand on its own. Uh, and it's it's really good, like very underrated. I'm really glad I watched it. Awesome. Um, I'll jump through a few more. I had just read the books, and then I wanted to watch the movie, and that was In Cold Blood, Truman Capote, mm. In Cold Blood, which Night of the Living podcast just covered on their their podcast, so I'll just listen to that. I really like this movie. I'd never seen it. Um, it's a great cast. It's really weird to see a young Scott Wilson playing the type of character that he is never cast as. Uh, but this, like, this is the kind of movie like I'm glad I watched, and I think people with an appreciation of like movies, especially if you're a crime fan, definitely watch this. Um, the music is great. The kind of Quincy Jones jazz score is really, really effective. Another um, instant watch found footage movie, Christine and Jason, both of you, I think mm. this if you haven't already seen it. Oh, okay. Alien abduction. Oh, I oh, and mom see that. trying to make me watch of it. She does. Cause your mom and I have great taste. Yeah. This Christine. No, Christine. No. Listen to me, Christine. Listen. Listen. Okay. You know what? Remember how like your favorite segment of the VHS movies is the alien invasion one? Yes, it's my this favorite segment. Sort of, like this is kind of that as a movie. You know what? You really get me. I do. Don't uh, I, you know how to, don't you I know how to pitch things seriously. <laughs> seriously. I do. I know. I know. You know, Netflix says I'll give it one star. That's bullshit. They do that with like everything that gets they do that, like, with all horror movies. They're just convinced that you will hate all of them. They do that to me, too. And I'm the person that probably gave five stars to Thanksgiving. Um, and I got I don't even know. Do you rate on Netflix? I don't I even don't. know how to rate. No. Yeah. You click Why? on the stars. But I, I don't do that because the problem is, like, if I watch a movie that's bad, but it's the type of movie that I want to be good, I'm not going to give it a bad rating because then I don't want Netflix to not recommend yeah. movies like that to me. No, and if right. you watch a movie that's bad but you enjoyed and you give it a good rating, it keeps trying to make you watch shit that you don't want. Yeah. yeah. Their system – I mean, Netflix obviously is a brilliant business model, but I don't think their programming for recommendations is quite on point. No, I always hate when you watch a movie like, you know, a movie about a ghost and then it'll pop up and like, it was since you watched this movie, you might like Ghostbusters. I'm like, no, (laughs) yeah, I've seen Ghostbusters. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah, they don't always, or it's like if one actor is in the movie, they'll then just go with that, which doesn't always make sense. Yeah. Um, but I, Alien Abduction was good. I think both of you, like, it, I mean, it's very, it's, it is pure found footage. At first, I I've seen I it. Not, I liked it. You, you did like it? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess sold, right? Yeah, I have to two, watch two, it. Two, two for two. I mean, I'm a sucker for found footage yeah. in general. Like, so I, like almost any found footage movie I enjoy. So I'm not going to oversell it, but I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, and I'm hard on found footage. Like, I, the, the, if it's a good one, I really like it. If it's a mediocre to bad one, I hate it. And I thought this one was really effective. At first, I was kind of eh on the family, but very quickly they kind of do. Li- the movie does a little, really smart little things to make you care uh, and to like invest in. Like, at first, like there's a character that shows up, and you're like, oh great, here's the redneck stereotype, and they totally flip that on its head. Um, it also did this. It is the smartest decision I have ever seen in a found footage movie, as far as why they keep filming. 
which I'll, I'll spoil it because it's not, I mean, it's established very quickly in the movie. They, it's a family and there's a, and one of the kids um, is the one that's filming everything. And everybody's like, oh my God, can you put the camera down? And they're like, no, actually he's autistic. And this is kind of his way of like, he needs this. Like, this is something that he oh, interesting. needs to do. And it's such a smart move because it, at, from that point on, you're never questioning it. Um, you know, I, I will say, like, those parts in any hor- any found footage movie, they always have to have established some reason yeah. why the people are filming. I think we're to a point now where, just fuck it, we don't care. Just, like, <laughs> allow it to be. Uh... Like, just as- accept that they're filming. That's where I'm at now, and when they actually make a point to point out, no, the world needs to see this. I'm like, no, fuck you. No, they don't. <laughs> it's kind of like the no signal thing in a cell phone at this point. It's like, no, don't even try. We know you don't have a signal. Exactly. That's yeah, fair. just That's accept fair. it and move on. Yeah. Uh, a few more I watched on Amazon Prime. Another movie, Christine, I think you would like. Jason, I don't know that you would. Um, mm. This is <laughs> Into the Forest with Evan Rachel Wood and Ellen Page. Yes, that's on my that's on my queue. I really yeah. want to watch it. Um, it is a sort of, you know, they're, they're what's amazing. I didn't check how old they are. I assumed both of them are like in their early 30s. They're playing teenagers and they are totally believable as teenagers. Mm, like, nice. Ellen Page is, has that kind of, like, is very short, has that kind of baby face where she can play 14 mm-hmm. probably until she's 95. But it, yeah. Rachel Wood's also really good in it. And it's these two sisters, and basically the power goes out in the world, and they're kind of stuck in the woods um, and have to kind of survive. Jason, I think you might find it boring. Yeah, so even sounds though like I, th- it. I think it's very good, and I think it's very slow. It's not... It is not exciting. Not much happens. It's really just about these two girls kind of, you know, surviving in this world. But I really liked it. And the more I thought about it, there was one thing that I I do want to bring up because I I found it very interesting. It is directed by a female. um, And there was one thing that I thought to myself at a certain point, you know, I feel like that this is like a really good reason reason for like why we need female directors, quote unquote. There, the way nudity was handled in this movie, like at times the actresses are doing things where they're nude, where their shirts are off, where they're in a bath or something's happening. And it's like handled in a way where it's not like avoiding it the way a lot of movies do, where, you know, a character will, you know, pull up the sheet around her breasts kind of thing. Like, but it's not <laughs> lingering on it or making you feel uncomfortable watching it. Or they're in front of a strategically placed pineapple and exactly. two cantaloupes. Yes, no, no pineapples in this movie. <laughs> and it just felt like the kind of thing that I thought to myself, like, I feel like I'm. This is working. Like this, like they were comfortable with it. Director like understood this is what a woman would do when she's in this situation. And it was just something like I really respected about the movie and about its decisions. So, again, just something to think about if you watch it. Uh, I'm almost done. Two documentaries. Uh, I finally got around to Lost Souls, the uh, documentary about Richard um, Stanley. Yeah, I told you to oh, watch that. You did. Which family? Richard Stanley, who directed or oh. uh, who he did Hardware in uh, the 80s. And then the other thing. Oh, the that, horror movie? Yeah, yeah, the robot Terminator-ish uh, movie with Dylan McDermott. Yeah. Um, and then he was supposed to direct the 1997 version of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And this movie is all about that, because basically he was directing it, but due to a lot of crazy shit happening, like Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer being insane assholes, basically, <laughs> uh, and like hurricanes and like acts of God and all of that, he ended up getting fired from the production. 
So it's a documentary just about that. Um, the interview, all the actors associated with it. Feruza Balk is so great. I like her even more now. Um, but it's also really funny to hear a bunch of other people do Marlon Brando impersonations. Um, so this was really enjoyable. I was—I put it off just because I never had like a burning fire under me to watch it, but I'm really glad I did. Uh, I also watched Hurricane of Fun on Netflix Instant. This is the documentary of the making of Wet Hot American Summer. Mm-hmm. It's oh, nice. It's, they're so young. It's just footage from when they were filming it back in, I guess, 2003 or 2004. And it's like Amy Sh- Amy um, Poehler's first movie, and young Bradley Cooper is all like, you know, chubby cheeked, fresh out of college, and he's talking about how great this movie is and how neat it is to be on set. Um, it's just cute. If you're a fan of the movie, it's like a really nice little, like, warm kind of Valentine to it. So it's it's sweet if you're a fan of that movie. Did uh, you learn how to play snaps? I didn't understand it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, they, they they go through it and like. I don't know if they actually – I think they did kind of explain it, but I'm not smart enough to understand it. Because I, I had to look it up. Afterward, I tried yep. – I watched that documentary, and then I tried to understand it, and I was like, I have no idea what they're talking but about. Do you so think they Google. actually explained it in the movie, or do you think – like at first I, I thought know. it was purely made up. I thought it's all like the game is snaps, and then it's just you make up shit, and the person says you're right. Like that's what I thought the game was. Oh, you thought they were just fucking with people? Yes, just and I wouldn't to- believe they were. No, but like, I don't think they actually did explain it in the movie. I was just so curious that I had to go look it up on Google and I figured out how to do it. Okay. Yeah, so we'll have to play sometime. Ugh, God, you'll have to teach we'll me. Just, we'll just have to leave the, we're going to leave the listeners hanging. Go Google it yourself because I can't <laughs> possibly explain it right now. Nice. Yeah, the only other things, which I won't get into now because you're going to hear them very soon. <laughs> Excuse well, me. That's how Jason feels when I start talking about Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Guys, I have watched six so far. Well, I did text you last week. Oh, boy. Because I know I put a post on the Facebook group because Dawn was in a Lifetime Christmas movie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I tried to record because then I DVR. The best thing was I went to look it up to see if it was on cable. And I started typing The Christmas and like 95 things come up and they're all horror movies. Um, But that one came up and I thought I could record it, but it looks like I can't. But I'm going to find it for you. Don't worry. I have Um, to hear about this. Yeah, there are going to be – these are going to be coming at you guys. Uh, Yes. I already got one with Lacey Chabert. I got one with Daphne Zuniga. Um, Lynn Shay showed up in one, which was awesome. Uh, one with Drew Lachey. Remember Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees? I do. It's his brother. Um, oh, also in 98 Degrees. Yeah, the other one. Yeah. The, see, the whole time I thought – I didn't realize that it wasn't Nick Lachey. I thought it was Nick Lachey. And I'm watching it. I'm like, I thought Nick Lachey was much hotter than this. Like, did he get his nose broken? No, his brother has a really bad nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those are going to be coming at you. Um, starting, I think, like day after Thanksgiving, I will launch the first one. So be ready for them, guys, because I'm suffering through these, so you have to, too. Well, I've already warned Eddie that we're going to watch a million this Christmas season. I, lo- I non-ironically love them. Somewhat ironically, but kind of non-ironically, too. And I'll cry, and I will hope that they get together at the end. You've totally turned me on, and I'm in Good. 100%. I, this year, so far, I haven't seen any that have actually, like, pulled anything emotionally in me. Um, the ones I've watched have just been, like, very, very... Uh, just like the one I'm watching right now with Lori Laughlin, uh, I'm pretty sure it was all filmed in one day 
because nobody's, I'm like an hour and a half into it, nobody's hair has changed at all. Is this they just starting to get flyaways? And, like not like uh, it's, maybe they fall. just really like glued everything down. But I'm noticing I'm like okay, well this character like has braids and I guess they just made that her thing. But like she still has them and like Lori Laughlin's hair is like parted very specifically and it's been like that now for an hour and a half. And they're not even changing clothes. Like she's been wearing the same outfit in the movie takes place over the course of a week and she's worn the same vest over a long sleeve shirt for like eighty percent of the movie. This is it's scientific now. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. It's like porn. You can film an entire movie in a day now. They I have really it think down. That's the case. I absolutely do. It's amazing. So again, it's, I'll go I mean, into more detail. Like, it's like eighty percent stock footage of trees and yep. people shopping. Trees, people it's shopping, so easy to establishing do. shots of the city and go. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, done. I can't uh, wait for these. Which really one made excited. me cry last year? Oh, tw- the twelve dates of Christmas. Twelve dates of yeah. Christmas was so good. Really Amy was. Smart. Yeah, Amy Smart and um, um, Mark Paul Go- Mark Paul Gosselet, Gosseler. Yeah, but oh, no, can like, I... it's true. Like some of them can be good. It's just that the majority yeah. of them aren't. Can I confess that I thought Amy Smart had been kidnapped by a crazy religious guy for a really long time? Oh, you're it turns of... out that's not. Who is that? That's... What's her name? Oh my God, Amy Lily Smart. No, wasn't it something Smart? Elizabeth Smart. Elizabeth Smart. That's it. And yeah. I thought that I was like, good for her for getting a career after all that. <laughs> and then you realize, no, that was the TV miniseries, the 70s, where she plays a cult, where plays somebody who gets indoctrinated into a cult. Right. It all got jumbled in yep. my mind. Yep. I can see that. In my mind, grapes, Liz oh, Lemon. All right. So um, that's all the many things we've all been watching, plus a lot of information about eye cream. Uh, <laughs> should we go chronological and start with Beaches? Oh God! I feel like we have so much more. I oh, can I re- rebuke that? You are the man. I don't know so if I can. Obviously, your I don't know. counts as two votes. To have just, one. Look, guys, I'm going to tell you now. I have nothing to say about either one of these movies. Oh God! No, All right, Jason, let's just you go with do Neon first. Demon first. Yeah, let's not bang that out. I feel like I need. I have a lot to get off my chest about okay, it. So we're doing Neon Demon. <laughs> yeah, Neon Demon first. Okay, we are going to pause and come back and talk about the Neon Demon. Or Jason and I will talk about it, and Christine will apparently not. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, we'll be right back. I'm always a flop at a top-notch affair, but I still got my health, so what do I care? Is a glass solitaire, but I still got my health, so what do I care? By fashion and by free, I'm never disgusted. Attending the opera, my box would be a bust. I never shall have that. Park Avenue air, but I'm in such health, why should I care? The hip that I shake doesn't make people stare, but I all right, so 2016, Nicholas Winden-Reffin's The Neon Demon. Uh, let's, before we give a synopsis, do we want to um, establish that we are going to be spoiling things or not spoiling things? How do you guys feel about that? I, yeah, I think um, we have to spoil because I have a lot of questions. Yeah, and I, I personally think it's the kind of movie that... Um, is difficult to really delve into without acknowledging what happens at the end. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm not comparing these movies, but could you, it's so hard to talk about, like, The Sixth Sense without spoiling it, because that entire movie hinges on the end. Oh, yeah. And, like, this one, it's all just weird stuff building up to the end. Yeah, I agree. I feel like. All right, so people, if you um, have not seen it yet, it is on Amazon Prime, so just watch it. Uh, and if you don't want to be spoiled, um, just kind of fast forward this podcast until you hear music playing, and then that will be us talking about beaches. So, Neon Demon, Christine, tell the people mm-hmm. what it's about. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try not to be shitty like I want to be. Um, uh, so, basically, what it's about? It's about a girl that comes to LA to have a modeling career. And the people she meets and the way in which she handles herself while she's there. And, and then she gets a job at a burlesque house. And then she saves it because of air rights. Movie <laughs> over. <laughs> and she doesn't even have a car. God, that would have been a much better movie. You haven't seen the uh, of me. Oh, man. Yeah, so our listeners, if you haven't seen burlesque, get on that shit. Now yeah. I'll be shitty and say it wasn't about anything. It was a movie about nothing. Nothing happened in this movie, and I am so done with Refn. This is the last straw. I'm done. Let's, yeah. Let's jump through our Refn experiences. I think I've only seen of his stuff. I've only seen Drive and Valhalla Rising. Let me get IMDb up. Um, I, I liked I Valhalla Rising. I enjoyed it, um, but I I watched it like in the middle of a really like. Uh, crazy moment in life so i never got to really give it all my energy um drive i thought was good but not for me and i understand why some of our film fans like went you know fawning all over it and i understand why some people hated it i just felt like i see there's skill here but it's not connecting to me I, is that That's the one exactly with Nicolas Cage? No, you're thinking of dr- Drive Angry. <laughs> Drive Angry oh, is a okay. great. Drive Angry is a fucking great movie. Your uh, Drive is the one with Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan oh. and Robert Brooks. Yes, never saw that. Okay, I think you would hate it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, and what else has he done? So, only God. For I him. am. Never saw that either. I don't think I've I seen anything by up. this Yahoo. I've seen the first of the Pusher trilogy. I didn't like it. I have seen Bronson, and I did like it, but I think we all know why I liked that movie. Well, right. Um, I, did, I didn't like Valhalla Rising. I have seen Drive three times, and I have disliked it every single time I have watched it. I feel like I'm missing something, guys. I feel like he's given me this thing, and it's like everything that I should want. And I'm like, no thanks, and I can't understand what's wrong with me that I'm not getting it, quote-unquote. I, I will give an analogy of myself. That is how I usually feel about Michael Mann. Uh, yeah, I see. Yeah, um, see that makes Michael sense. Mann, a sudden, what, what I recently rewatched Manhunter, and I've loved it. But everything else by Michael Mann I've seen, I always think, same thing. I know there's skill in front of me. I see... There are things he is doing that are clearly directorial and come from a point of view, and I understand why some people would go all over it, but it does not connect to me, and I end up being bored. And I think that's valid. So I I thought, well, I didn't like Drive, and everyone else did, and I felt like there's something wrong with 
I saw the trailers for this and I'm like, okay, so he's making a lady movie, a movie mm-hmm. about ladies. Maybe, maybe now, maybe now the thing that I've missed is that he's been doing this really male perspective because right. all the movies have a very heavily male slanted view so maybe that's it maybe this will tap into his femininity and and something interesting about like female voices and and finally i will have my refin movie and i think i'm so mad because an hour and 20 minutes he had me fooled that that's what i was getting and then this movie shit the bed for me so where did it shit the bed? Like, was there a moment when you were like, "Nope, not for me"? Are we are we full on spoiling it? Yeah, I think we're gonna. I think let's let's talk about this movie as if everybody has seen it, just okay. so that okay. we don't accidentally spoil something. Let's just come out and say we can talk about anything, just so that we're not holding back. So there's like my shitty Christine answer, and then there's my real answer. <laughs> my shitty Christine answer is when they ate. Um, Dakota Fanning's sister. My real answer is when they decided that the narrative was going to switch focus. Um, I spent an hour and 20 minutes of my fucking life with this character, and now you have removed her completely to focus on three other characters, and I get what you were doing, but I think it was a real misstep, because you took a solid story with an actual narrative that I could follow with lots of text and subtext, Mm -hmm. and you removed everything from me. You took it all back and said, now here's a lot of wacky stuff with these three broads you've barely spent any time with. Ugh. It was exhausting. That was was delightfully (laughs) shitty, Christine. Like, I loved everything (laughs) about it, because I agree. Okay, yeah, I'll stop now. Um, So I'm curious to hear what everybody else thought. Okay, I I can see exactly what you guys are saying. And... Oh, you're going to shock me right now, aren't you? I don't know. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle on this. I definitely liked it more than, I'm guessing, both of you. I definitely liked it more than the other Refn I've seen. And I think in part it's what you're saying. It's it's that, I mean, I have no real not working knowledge of the fashion industry, but I do, I watch Project Runway and I used to watch America's Next Top Model. So know like, you know, um, but I do find it interesting and visually interesting. And I think some of the things that clearly he uh, thought were worth exploring and just even the, like the, some of the surface things of what it is like for models to stand there and sort of not I guess do a go see or whatnot with a designer and it's you're literally just standing there and you are a piece of meat maybe he's looking at you maybe he's not I like all of that stuff I found interesting just from purely now but um, but I am saying if this was if you did the same thing like in drive where you're doing the same thing but it's cars I don't give a shit about cars so I'm bored in this I found that stuff worked and when Dakota Fanning uh, Dakota Fanning's sister. Or, Her I'm name's sorry. Elle. I was then just being shitty. the girl from the Nutcracker 3D uh, dies. <laughs> yeah. At first, I was the same. same I'm like, kind of, I did feel that too. I felt like I, I am invested in this character. She, I am invested in her change because clearly she's gone through this transformation. And now you've taken her away from me. But I did, I was in. I, I bought into it. And even, like, things that I didn't know if I liked or not. Like, the fact is, I could not tell the two blondes apart for the whole movie. One of them mm-hmm. was, had an Australian yeah. accent, one uh. of them didn't. But, and I, and I, it annoyed me at first, because especially towards the ending, where one of them can take it and blossoms from it, and the other one stabs herself out of guilt and disgust. 
But I kind of thought, well, maybe that was the point is that. I think it was. Yeah, because the whole thing being Elle Fanning is this unique beauty in a sea of this kind of manufactured bionic beauty, right? That it's not that anybody can be a model, but you can, if you have a certain look and you're a certain height and a certain weight, you can go into modeling, but only a handful of those thousands of women become Kate Moss or become Cindy Crawford. And it's not that they slept with the right guy or that they, you know, were that good with a walk. Usually it's just they have a look that for whatever reason, somebody in power thinks is absolutely better than anything else. And they say, this is going to be the face of Vogue. This is going to be the face of my line. And everybody else, even though all the other women in this movie are ridiculously gorgeous, uh, it's basically saying, but that doesn't matter because they're not, they don't have that spark or that thing. So the fact that I can't tell these two actors apart, maybe that was intended. Mm, interesting. See, to that point, I looked so hard for meaning in this film, having never seen a Nicholas Winding Refn <laughs> film, but heard a lot about him. I assume that maybe he's a very metaphorical director. So I was assuming I kept trying to pull something out of it that would feed me, like the cougar that breaks into yep. her room. Not like uh, an actual I was cougar, like, not like Courtney. An act- but I was like, <laughs> representative of something, of maybe her, like, you know, this old, her being an older woman is coming for her. Older people are, I didn't understand what it meant, but I was like, is this supposed to be a cougar or a cougar? Um, but it was an actual <laughs> so, cougar. And then, like, Jason, I think was, we uh, might have done the same thing, and I think it might have hurt our viewing of this movie. Try, tried to make sense out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, That I think that's what fucked me up. Because even there's – like, did you notice there's a lot of like metallic makeup put on her and like they make yes. her look like a robot a lot? And I was wondering, is, it, it, is that what they're saying? Are they trying to turn her – take away her humanity and make her like these other people who said, you know, they are bionic? quote unquote bionic and like she's slowly headed that way like Darth Vader she's becoming more robot than man through the, as the movie goes along but I don't know if that was intentional and then the, oh, there's one scene where like some I don't remember who it was I think it's the oh it's the last scene where the woman starts to vomit <laughs> and she walks into a room and like like the design on the curtains looks like swastikas sort of did that stand out to anybody oh, I didn't catch that no oh, there was I, I did like notice that there I was, was, like, was is, it was that means something yeah. Oh, are you are you gone, Christine? I'm here. Oh no, I think I was just listening and like. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, there no. you are. So you. Uh, and you were saying you did notice the the swastikas, right? Christine yes. did. I did not. Okay. So, but I, I kept trying to pull out pull out something, and I couldn't get anything. And I I, I felt a way about this movie like I did about um, uh, Transparent season two. Did you guys watch Transparent? I did not, no. 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 First season was really great. It's a family drama. There's a lot of like, I really like dynamic families and like the way that everybody interacts. And I thought the first season was really well written. The second season relies a lot on these long musical interludes with just somebody walking and like some stupid bull shit hipster song playing in the background and then like coming to terms with something oh, silently. God, like That's not what I want. 
oh god no I, I want dialogue and I want the story to move forward and this movie reminded me of that I would I watched it on my iPad and there's that 10 second button I used that so goddamn much <laughs> like it would take her two minutes to walk into a room and I so I don't feel like Nicholas Winding Refn has a lot to say because obviously he didn't say much like not much was going on. He's filling it with beautiful imagery, but like anybody can do that. And I doubt that that was all him. I bet there's like set designers and there's a PA and there's a lot of people making this movie look beautiful, but he has nothing to say himself. So fuck that guy. <laughs> it was it was beautiful. It was very beautiful. Um, I found it more visually appealing than a lot of his other movies. Mm. Also, I get, I think, what he's trying to say to a degree. Also, that it's either women are evil or youth is evil. And also women are powerful, but also also youth is powerful. Also, I thought this movie was going to be about witches, and it wasn't. You can read my <laughs> Twitter feed. It. Yeah. I kind of lost my mind for a minute. Well, I mean, so I thought this was going to be a witches. story, if you want to look at it a certain way. Or, like, you know, there's there's certainly, guess, like, Elizabeth Bathory imagery, right? Yeah. For sure. But, like, for for a hot minute, I was like, this motherfucker's going to do something cool. And I guess maybe this ruined it for me, because I was looking for it to be a movie that it wasn't going to be. And I called it really early. Mm. I said, oh, this isn't going to be the movie that I think it is, and I'm going to hate it because of it. So I thought, because it's clear to me... Okay, so I thought the movie was going to do this really cool thing where, like, we think that these three women, Jenna Malone and the two blondes, are preying on this dumb, innocent girl. And what's really happening is she's manipulating them and preying on them. Right. And she is the one with the real power. Come to find out she's not. No. Nope. Well, I except she is because they eat her and she, they're great now or they kill themselves. Who can say? Well, I think she she discovered she had power. Right. Yeah. After, you know, enough kind of success and after, uh, you know, being the final model in a big fashion show that she does, she, she has a transformation, right? She does then say, oh, fuck it. I'm a hot model and I am better than them and I am something unique and special. Um, and I think she and that's, you know, when she's standing on the diving board in that 10 minute scene where she walks to it. I think she is kind of doing that. And when she gets there, when Jenna Malone's like, kind of just like, hey, what you figure out? And she's like, I- I'm really important and I have something nobody else has. And I'm pretty damn fucking awesome. So what's your read on Jenna Malone trying going from trying to seduce her to murdering and eating her? See, that's the one that I'm having more trouble with. I think it's easier to look at the other, the blonde, I'm just going to group them together and call them the blondes. Because I do think they have collectively a really interesting um, trajectory. Because in the beginning, when you kind of meet them and they seem, you know, beautiful and worldly, and then, especially as the one talks and is like, oh, yeah, everything about me is fake and I've gotten breast reduction and all this. And there's something about that where it's just very, it's very, like, to, to keep using robotic terms, it's very mechanical. And then when they go to that go see together, and the um, designer goes crazy for Elle, for Elle Fanning, but just doesn't even look at the other one, and then she's, you know, in the bathroom crying and smashing it and kind of ha- having that realization that, you know, because she's like 25, she's a dinosaur in an industry. And uh, I 
it, it's almost like you could take it out of my, you could take the same story and apply it to anything else. And it's like almost a little bit like Salieri Mozart, if you will, that yeah. it's just the idea of I am re- I've worked really hard. I have changed my body. I've done everything I'm supposed to. I only eat fruit. I eat once a week. I do all of these things. I have a great walk. I know what I'm doing, but I will never have the success that you have. And it's for no good reason other than for whatever reason you were naturally given something I don't have. You were given this uniqueness, this special something. Charisma, uniqueness. This charisma, this nerve, (laughs) talent. Talent. I can do, I can try, I can do everything, I can work for it, but I will never have what you have. And therefore I will never be what you're going to be. And that's fucking unfair. And that's where they, you know, then they say, well, we're going to find a way to take it. And that's what they do with Jenna Malone. I'm honestly having a much harder time figuring out what that meant for her. Was it just sexual? Was it just, I was spurned by this woman and I'm really pissed off about that. So I am going to kill you and eat you as well or bathe in your body. I don't know. I had a harder time. Well, why did she make out? Why did she make out with the dead hot corpse? Uh, What was that? Getting any otherwise, I guess. Sexual frustration. Well, see, I was hoping that before. I know. I never made out with a corpse. I was hoping that it would be like that. Elle Fanning was like had like a like a spell on her and was like compelling her to do it, like to be overcome with. Lust. I wrote a different movie while I was watching. Yeah, this. I really like the. Idea I continuously that that was did the that. Ending. Yeah, that's kind of awesome to imagine that. Oh man, I'm picturing it. Well, yeah, like discovering actually, at the very end that she, all, that she was the witch the entire time. Yes. Well, oh my god, so, this is the best movie this, I've ever fake written. Like it ends with her just sitting there eating. Yeah. yeah. This movie reminded me a lot of um, – well, I, first of all, I thought that it would it would be a really good pairing with hashtag horror oh, totally. if you wanted to do that about these yeah. women destroying each other, yeah. building yeah. each other up and these complicated relationships. Um, but also um, – uh, oh, I completely lost my point. That that was the only good point I had. And That's now I'm really gone. Oh, point. wait. Wait, I almost point. had another one, but I'm gone. It uh, – No. I don't understand. I don't know. No, my, my cold medicine's wearing off, and I'm no, losing no, my mind slowly. No. But I don't, oh, it was something about the end, and it's brilliant. Um, I don't know. God, guys, I'm sorry. I'm just wasting time on the podcast. Move on. I'll think of it. Come to you. Was it about Desmond Harrington and how weird it was to see him in that part? Who's Desmond Harrington? Desmond I don't even know who Harrington, that is. Who has the most British sounding name ever? Uh, was in Wrong Turn. Oh. He was on Gossip Girl. He was on Dexter. Was on Dexter, yeah. He He's was a Quinn on Dexter. In the movie. Yep. Oh, okay. See, I, yeah, say that. Um, you no, know, but it was weird. It was weird seeing Keanu Reeves show up for okay. no reason. <gasps> Either. Best part. Seriously. Did you, now, I don't know if you guys, the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema just covered this movie on their last episode. And it was. Yeah, they stole I, our idea. I, well, before we announced it. Um, it's a really good episode. If you guys haven't listened, I highly recommend it. They have very interesting takes on it. But they're the ones that brought this up. Keanu Reeves is 52 years old. 
Wow. Oh, he's my hot daddy. Seriously. <laughs> he's so attractive. Man. I never wanted anything to do with that man. Flash forward to early 50s, and I'm like, yes, please, Keanu. Yeah. Aging like the best cheese you've ever wished you've eaten. Oh, let's I, just I, talk I, about I, Dilf some more, because I can get down with this. Have you guys seen Joey? Have you seen Joey Tribbiani lately? Yes. Oh, hey, Daddy. Oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) Now I'm picturing him in that part, and it's weird. It's really weird and unsettling. (laughs) Oh, I think I remembered what I was going to say. What the fuck was uh, Christina Hendricks doing here? Being fucking awesome. Yeah, but for two minutes. Yeah, I guess she probably just has like a good relationship with the director, and he. I love, but she's perfect for that part, though. Oh, absolutely! I love seeing her, but then she just went away, I and really, I'm like, God I damn it! Know. I wanted, I did like the whole movie the way Christine wanted, which is like, I did want her to come back just because I love her, <laughs> and I love when she's used right because she can be really misused. Yeah, and she was because she was kind of like Joan Holloway as the as a modeling agency director. Yeah, that's why I was picturing it. Yeah, and that I, great, like, God, what does she say? She's like, I don't think you're fat. Other people but will tell you. Other people are. will. Yeah. That was oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. I want her good. in I want a spin-off of her just running a modeling agency and See, being that power bitch. I loved it. In my fake movie that I was making in my head, that was just uh what's her name for Mad Men? Uh jo- Joan Joan. That was just Joan. Hadn't aged a goddamn day. Just still yep. looks amazing. Yep. Smoking every day. Now she's yeah. doing something completely different. It's the same character. She just looks amazing and will live forever. Oh, and I did remember what I was going to say before. Um, this movie, movie reminded me a lot. Well, not a lot, but uh, Black Swan kept coming to mind. Yeah, yeah. me too. Okay. That. And one of the thing, one of the reasons for that was like, there's this shy, beautiful character at the, at, at the center of it. And I don't think... I don't know, guys. Do shy, beautiful people exist? I guess they do. <laughs> oh, well, well you're talking really to one young. right now. Obviously. But <laughs> I, I think <laughs> they <laughs> get by it because I think that's – because I think that, like, you see how she won't exist for long because it's like that One Direction song. I'm really hip. Like, I know that One Direction's a thing. Yeah. And you know the song that they sing where that goes, like, you don't – oh, you don't know you're beautiful. Oh, oh. That's, That's what makes the you only beautiful. song they're saying, yes. Except now you've told them that they're beautiful, which means they know that they're beautiful. So now are they not beautiful anymore? Oh, interesting. And it's like- I think in this case, the way that's believable is that she's 16 years old and like she just right. turned 16, she says. Right. And she's from Georgia, I think. Like she says specifically, she's from somewhere like that. And so I think it makes sense that, yes, she is shy and naive because even though somebody that looks like that and is in L.A. as a model is not going to be that way for long, when she first gets there, she's so young that that's still there. But you see how quickly that goes away. Yeah, but I just think it's it doesn't convey well on film. It didn't work in um, in Black Swan for me either, and I love that movie. But I don't think that 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 she did a great job. I just think it's yeah. a hard character to pull off somebody who's shy and awkward and beautiful for some reason. And maybe that's us just being like, "No, you're hot. You should shouldn't be shy. You have nothing to be shy about." Maybe that's just my right, weird right. interpretation. It doesn't make sense to me. But to see this character so unsure of herself and stammering and uncomfortable well, but when here's she's the thing, clearly though. she's really confident about her looks and modeling. Yeah, she's just really not confident in social interactions. She's a virgin, right? I mean, she's 16, so it's fine. But 
you know, that's going to affect the way you talk to to men, especially when you're 16 and only have known men a certain way. It's, there is something to that, that, you know, you're not going to have that same confidence or sort of, um, you're not going to own your like full sexuality very well, I think. And like she says to the sort of um, boyfriend character, like, I can't sing, I can't dance, I'm not smart, but I know I'm pretty and I can make money from that. She knows she's pretty. She knows that she can be a model. She would not have moved to L.A. if she didn't. But I think being knowing that you're beautiful and thinking I can be a model is different from then saying I can be a model and then I can go out to a club and totally hang out with the girls when, yeah. you know, you're – probably 10 years younger i think you're on to something there but in my movie she's lying about that she has had lots of sex (laughs) she's ageless and her parents are dead because she's actually like a hundred years old (laughs) and that cougar is her familiar okay in your movies is she the is she the girl from the witch the vavitch kind of i was i had a thing going on in my head oh god i want to see your movie yeah (laughs) So I'll get so right better. on it. I, I want to think that this is a sequel to The Witch. Right? I, she looks a lot like that girl. Too. Right? Like, yeah, that's good. I want to believe that. Okay, done. Yeah, done. This totally. Is a, okay, 10 out of 10 on that life 10. and 10 <laughs> out of 10 on the other thing. Um, <laughs> the, another movie that this really made me think about and a movie that I do actually like a lot more. Sucker Punch. Did you say Captain Crunch? That's a sucker. Good God, no. Good God, no. Um, Starry Eyes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. um, So after I watched it, I was complaining about it, and Zach was clicking around in the internet, and he said a lot of people were comparing the two and saying that Starry Eyes was better. Yeah, Starry Eyes is really good. I think it's more successful with what it might, may or may not have been trying to do, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's less, I mean, this is a very... I don't know. This is an art film. And, you know, I'm putting a very specific label on it, but I think that's fair. Like, nobody would argue that this is not a pretentious film. Right. Um, It's it's going for something. I think it gets a lot of those things. uh, But it's also, you know, metaphorical and symbolic and stuff. Starry Eyes has those elements, but it's also just a really entertaining, awesome horror film. Can I ask, why does pretension equate to lugubrious so often? And, and I, can give, I can give specific examples of this because it's usually the sophomore follow-up to a director's big hit that's really slow and tedious. Like, okay, for gonna... example, M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, I was after... just about to say Unbreakable. Yeah. Yes, that, that, that fucking kid poured juice for 20 minutes in that movie. <laughs> Like, he thought he was an auteur, and it was just Fantastic. like fucking get on with it. And then in um, another example, Jackie Brown in that movie, mm-hmm. she walks in that airport for goddamn for twenty minutes. Yeah, no, yeah, right I know that. she spent a week going through the yeah. airport. I like oh that movie, God. but I mean, there's a lot of airport walking. And it's usually the sophomore effort of a big director saying, like, oh, they realize my brilliance now, and they don't have as many I think people. that's part of it. It's it's the – to go back to what we were saying about confidence, it's the, oh, now, like, I was on the right track. Like, all those things I learned in film school, like, right. I'm going to put them in my movie because, like, people respect me. So I Exactly. I was right. I'm good. Look and they don't everybody. have people telling them no. Oh, that's always the biggest 
thing. And that, so, we, I feel like we say that all the time. Uh, we, did, often we say, like, I wish there was a, a stricter producer who came in and said, you're doing it wrong. Did Refn write this? Uh, I think he did. See, I know from what I read, the um, one of the blondes, uh, who was a active fashion model, like, did a lot, gave a lot of, like, I don't know if she, like, improvised dialogue or, like, suggested dialogue, but a lot of the actual fashion stuff was kind of based on her experiences. Oh, okay. Great. I just, I wish that maybe somebody had gone in and been like, hey, bro, let me help you with this. Yeah. He has, I think there are, uh, I can't tell because IMDb is working slow. I think there was a co-writer. Uh, I should pull it up on my phone. Um, I don't think he was fully alone in writing this. Well, this is a, this is going to be an example of the next film we talk about when we get to Beaches. The same thing happens. It happens to every director eventually, maybe not right away, um, but eventually no, people were not telling Gary Marshall no when he was oh, directing yeah. like Valentine's Day and yep. all these movies. And like everybody was just like, no, go do your thing, Gary Marshall. No, you need to be reined in. And I think in that film, which we'll talk about in a, in a couple minutes, he was reined in and that's why it worked so well. But as, as time went on, they, they just let him go, and that's always a disaster. Yeah, there are two other people credited uh, with the screenplay, two women. One one who also writes for Preacher, and oh, the other fun. one who has written uh, other stuff, uh, but nothing that I would know of. That is cutting-edge journalism right there, guys. Uh, well, you gave me the facts. Well, I do know another fun fact is that Nicol- uh, Refn is colorblind, apparently. that's what jason thinks about that yeah i have uh, i have no time for that um i this is my favorite reffin movie that Mm -hmm. doesn't have um tom hardy in it um so i liked it there were things to like there were things to get mad about and I just think it's because I saw a potential in it that I don't think it was ever aspiring to. It never wanted to be the movie that I was hoping it was going to be and that's fine. It doesn't need to be mm-hmm. but I think I'm always going to feel a little yeah, bit Yeah, it's going to make it disappointing for you because you saw a direction it could have gone in that would have been pretty awesome for you. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think for me um, I did, I liked it. I think I enjoyed it was it's funny, because I know this was a very divisive film. I know people had very strong thoughts. And what I thought at the end, I'm like, you know, it's surprising to me that this was that divisive. Yeah. Because um, it didn't feel like... I think there's symbolism there. I think it's, for the most part, pretty, like, obvious. Like, oh, he's penetrating her. And, oh, they're eating her youth and absorbing it. And, you know, and now she's beautiful because of it. And so on. Like, it felt pretty like, okay, I see it, I see it. Um... So I, I guess I found it surprising that, like, I know it was, like, booed at Khan and all of that. Really? Yeah. It doesn't seem like a movie that, that would make anybody that angry. I don't know. It really – and it's funny, too, because, yeah, I, it didn't make me angry, like, in a way that I would boo it. And also I was reading – granted, this is on IMDb – but that people thought it was really boring. I actually didn't think it was boring. I didn't Sh- either. Shockingly. Yeah. I mean, it's slow. Um you know, and as, like, Jason was saying, like, people walk for a really long time. Um, but it's, and again, maybe part of it is that I find this industry interesting. That could be it, because I do, too. Yeah. It, I mean, visually, it's fascinating. The idea, like, to me, I always say, like, I would, and I said this when I watched Starry Eyes, I would, 
I don't understand how anybody can choose to try to be an actor and go to L.A. and put themselves through that. I think that's awful. The only thing worse would be if you wanted to try to be a model and do all of those things, only not eat as you do them. Um, And so for me, like, I'm kind of automatically going to be a little more interested in this movie than something like Drive. And vice versa, I can see where, you know, a lot of the people that really dug certain things about Drive would see this and think, okay, well, it's the same kind of pacing, and now it's about something that I don't care about whatsoever. Well, you know, I said the exact same thing, and I actually wrote that in my notes. Like, why would anybody want to be a model or an actress? Right. But then then I thought about it for a second. I was like, you know, I think all of us, we kind of veer towards what we're good at. Like, you're great with words, Emily. And so you – so you're you're a writer – and Christine, you're also great with words. That's why you worked on a magazine. You kind of veer towards like what you're kind of good at and challenge yourself. I'm good with logistics and planning, and that's why I do office management mm-hmm. and logistics. Um, and I think that if people are telling you you're pretty and you have a good sure. walk, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to veer that way. that's what you do. Yeah. yeah. And you're challenging yourself like, okay, I'm kind of pretty now, but can I be super can pretty? I do can, I, can I do it? <laughs> or do yeah. I have to slaughter a young model and eat her eyeballs? Right. Because if see, all else that's, fails. that's where the movie, you have to think that it's not just a movie of text, that it is a movie of subtext and metaphor, oh, totally. because you wouldn't throw up a full eyeball right. like that. So it's, you have to, at some points, not take it literally. And I guess that's my problem. When do you stop, when, where is the line? When do I know when it's not literal anymore? And I think that's a very, because I was thinking that too. I'm like, they don't eat. So if they just ate like an entire like five foot eight girl, like that would be so sick, right? Like yeah, I get yeah. why the one girl puked, but like really, they'd be bloated. They'd like, be bloated. Oh, like, I, I just found out that if you eat people, you can go crazy. I didn't know that. Is that true? Hmm. I, I always thought that was an urban legend. Oh, Mad person disease. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> I don't depends know. on what kind of person you eat. Um, I had to sp- suspend disbelief on that one. Yeah, no, it's a good question of you know what is real. Does it matter? I just didn't take it that it mattered. Um, I mean, the okay. eyeball did make it feel to me like it was very symbolic. Yes. Uh, but I don't, I don't know, like, I, it, that at that point, especially in the movie, uh, and I think because visually the whole film kind of did put you in that sort of in-between of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I feel like there's an art movement that makes sense, like not quite surrealism, but something where you're, you're not quite sure if it's real or not, but it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to me. And I know people had problem with the eyeball. I didn't. I don't think you necessarily needed it because I, once she started throwing up, I kind of got it. Yeah. But I, I think it also made on. sense to just visually show it and show she can handle it. She can't. She's going to be Cindy Crawford and she's going to be dead. Hmm. Jim the, just keeps watering the plants with her yeah. pagan tattoos. Another movie that came to mind was um, The Women. Uh, have you ever guys, have you guys, not, is it The Women? Three Women, sorry. With, um, who's that lady that just oh, went crazy? that's the Altman film, right? Shelley yeah. Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Yeah, there, there, there was just a little, I think, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not, it's not a direct correlation, but I wouldn't be surprised if Refn liked that movie. There's a very um, deliberate pool scene in it. There are three women. It's about women's relationships. I think that he might have been inspired by that movie. Okay. So if I know this isn't something you regularly do on the show, but I will not recommend this movie, but I will recommend that movie. Oh, that's yeah, pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Um, I also, this confirmed my belief that every movie set in L.A. has to have a scene 
where characters sit on a hilltop and glance over LA and talk about their dreams. Oh God. Yeah. Looking into that. And what I was trying to figure out, cause like, as soon as I saw that, I kind of like joked about it, but then I was trying to figure out, I'm like, was it intentional? Like, is I think he, so. Yeah, like, is he playing on this, like, he doesn't have the Hollywood sign, but he might as well. And is it sort of playing on, like, just how innocent and bright-eyed at, she is? This is what I thought. I thought, this is why I thought there was going to be some kind of big reveal of she was the monster all along. Mm. Because it was doing everything it could to convince me that she was this this bright-eyed starlet ingenue with she didn't know anything and oh i'm so stupid my poor parents are dead i don't i don't know anybody here it seemed so cliche that i thought that was going to be part of the reveal well and i think we're uh, starry eyes has stuck with us a lot i really liked that movie and i think that all of us kind of wanted a starry eyes we wanted (laughs) her yeah to to turn the tables at the end and actually like be a badass but no yeah yeah maybe that's why starry eyes is so good well, yeah, and, but, I mean, it's like she gets to that point, but then it gets taken away from her because she wasn't as as much as she was like, I'm confident I got this. She wasn't planning on the fact that there were enemies at the gate. Yeah, and yeah. she wasn't hungry for it and would do anything for it where these other people obviously would. Right. And I think that was deliberate, too. Like, you can have everything and you can have the look and you can have people wanting you. But if you're not hungry for it, there's always a bigger fish that's literally going to devour you. That is, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, All right, let's rate this fucker. <laughs> I think you said let's rate this fucker. I'm like, oh, oh my god, Jason, oh I know that you're going to be president, but that's a little much. Sorry. God, jeez. Too soon. Uh, all right. Um, our guest, quality of uh, film, in your opinion. What kind of uh, – if you had to rate, was this a good film? What do you got? I'd go with a four. Wow. Around okay. a, yeah, around a four. I mean it's obviously a well-made film. I don't think it's a good film, so I, I got to give it some points for just being kind of beautiful, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's some people who like it, so I'll give it a four. Okay. Uh, Christine? Seven. Yeah, I was going to go like 7.5. Uh, all right. Quality of life. Jason, uh, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's some things – in. we had an interesting conversation mm-hmm. – about this, and I think that I will come back to this mo- movie if someone mentions it. I'd like to have a dialogue about it, so I'll give it a three, just based <laughs> on that. You're always really generous with your ratings. I am not. You so know much. what it is? I was a nerd in, in high school. Like, were you, or were you the bully? Right. I was, no, I was we a don't nerd know. bully. <laughs> I, I, I beat up people that weren't as smart. Apparently, I no, I was. So, like, when I hear somebody be like, uh, like throw out numbers i'm like wait does, what does that equate to that equates to like a 75 like a c a c plus oh my god if i got a c plus i would have cried so i think that's part of it Seriously, yeah but I was, I, I was such a nerd yeah but i don't think that like a six is failing for a film no, like it and would... we've, i think we kind of translate it by numbers like to me i think where we've said is like five it means it is an average film uh, above so a like five, a C. like yeah, I, I would say a five is basically a C, and anything under that is where you're getting into D and F territory. Yeah. Christine, okay. Fair. Quality of life. This is really tough because I'm going to give it a two because I hated it, but I'm also going to give it a six because I feel really inspired to make the thing that I want to make that this didn't give me. So, like, a four? Okay, yeah. Maybe a ten. I don't know. (laughs) Do you add them or divide them? Yeah, or do you square them and then 
Pythagorean theorem. But really, this was an infuriating experience for me, but like, I'm glad I watched it. So it's tough to translate that into. Okay. Yeah. Um, I now like, ooh, if this is going to get you to write that movie, then it's like a 10 because I want to see that movie. <laughs> uh, I would go, um, I'd probably go with like a seven also. Like I did, I enjoyed watching it. Um yeah, like I, I'm not gonna, you know, go out and write an essay on it anytime soon, but I think there was a lot that I did take in. Uh and it it entertained me. Um I don't know that I'll go back I might go back to it at some point and just see if I missed anything. So yeah, I'll mm-hmm. go I'll go there with a seven. That was the Neon Demon. Uh we're gonna take a break and come back and uh and go under the boardwalk. Under the boardwalk. Oh, I hate that I have a cold and I can't sing as I much know, as I want to. I hate to. that you and I just want to sing the entire thing. And I know. I'm sorry, Christine. It's happening. I'm sorry. It's what? Yeah. You can't stop it. We'll be back with Beaches. to 1989 uh, based on a novel directed by Gary Marshall who is the who we have covered before when we covered Pretty Woman uh, Beaches now Jason and I are long long time uh, fans of this movie we both I think grew up with it is it fair to say oh absolutely yeah me too now I have not that being said I have not watched this movie in probably 15 years um, so it was a very different experience to go, to go back to it as a grown-up, watching a movie about grown-ups that I always watched as a teenager and kid. Christine, yeah. you had never seen this movie. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it from front to back. I think I've seen bits of it. And okay. I mean, it's a narrative that I'm... I mean, I, I know what this movie's about. It is very much a pop culture kind yeah. of landmark of a lot of things. So what? let me ask you before we go into the plot, what did you expect when you sat down to watch this movie? To be bored to tears. Okay. Is that what you got? 
Nah, good. Okay. Okay. Tell do people you, at home what this movie's about. Do you not like j- chick flicks in general, like quote unquote chick flicks? Um, I don't like singing. Oh, okay. I don't like um things that drag and don't have tight stories. Okay. <laughs> but like, so you don't have an aversion to chick flicks no, intentionally, I mean, right? Emily, do I like any movies like that? No, I mean, we've, I mean, oh, we have this war still- is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Wait, what movie? This means war. Oh, uh, what about like Steel Magnolias? I've never seen it. <gasps> oh, God. Why didn't we cover that movie? Um... I, oh, good thing I'm sitting down. I know, that's oh, that's a God. lot to handle. Christine, that, <laughs> oh. wait, it just sounds to me then that Christine probably hasn't gotten like 80% of the jokes I've made over the course of my lifetime. Right? Because they're <laughs> all pretty much Steel Magnolias based. But faking it. Is that the one where she has diabetes? Yes. Yes. Okay, well, see, I know that Shelby, one. drink your juice, Shelby. Oh, my God. It, this is oh. weird. Like, I suddenly feel like Christine didn't know me all this time. Well, we um, have our next episode. Yes, I'll see you guys in a year. There's a lot of movies like that I've never seen, and I just get the cultural references of. Um, okay. That's fair. But, I mean, I like some stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> see, that's in part why I wanted to cover this movie, was that I feel like it has become such a punchline. Of, oh, the You're ultimate right. chick flick, the ultimate tearjerker, the ultimate get-together-with-your-girlfriends-and-tub-of-ice-cream-and-watch. And I think while this movie does have flaws that are kind of associated, not just with, with like its subgenre, but with kind of the fact that it's Gary Marshall, I also think this is a much better film than it's thought to be. And I think there's some things it does really, really well. Yeah. Christine, what's the movie about? Um, it's basically the um, the tale of two women who meet as young children and cultivate a meaningful, lifelong friendship that affects them both for the better. Um, oh, that's beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it was a it's a really nice story. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from two different walks of life. There's a rich girl and a girl from the Bronx, and they teach each other life lessons. That they do. Uh, the I'm going to come out and say the issue that I, I did see with this movie this time around, and Braden pointed it out, is that, and I think the, the problem is, Gary Marshall, we talked about a, a little bit with Pretty Woman. There are some things as a director he, he was really good at that I think is harder than it looks, which is kind of finding stars, casting well, getting his actors comfortable with each other in scenes. And I think everybody plays off each other really well in this movie. And I don't think that can just happen. I think that requires more than just having good actors, but something he's, he's not really like to compare him to Nicholas winding Refn, who is all about, precision and the look and the sound and making his film feel and look a certain way, Gary Marshall feels like he should always be directing sitcoms. And so you don't have that like visual style to it, but you also have no real context for time. Um, so are you basically saying my main complaint about this, that she was pregnant for three years, <laughs> She was pregnant for three years uh, they always looked like they were in the 1980s, 
when you really think about the way they're dressing and the way everybody's hair is. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on the only time I even like noticed was when they're kids and you see Cece's bedroom and she has a New York Giants poster behind her and it's the Giants, the baseball team, presumably. So I'm like, oh, right, because this must be the 50s. Oh, and now they're in college and she's talking about protests. So I guess it's the late 60s. Yeah. Now they're living in New York, but. Bette Midler is totally wearing what you would wear if you were a stylish person in the 1980s. And it just kind of stays there. And I think there's no, it's not that Gary Marshall is designing the costumes, but it is that he's not giving any direction to say the year is 1975. Let's I don't sure know about that. That one guy had mutton chops. There was in a that guy one with mutton chops. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. In that so- one scene when it's her in college. Right. But think about all the Broadway stuff. No, it it never really um, anchors itself in time. You're yeah. right. I didn't notice that. My complaint was that too much was happening when they were being very clear about a, a period of time. Like, okay. she shows up, Barbara Hershey shows up, hey, I'm three months pregnant. A laundry list of things happen, and then <laughs> she has the baby. That confused me because – you're you're finally being very deliberate about a timeline. Right. You cannot be pregnant for longer than like people aren't pregnant for longer than nine months. This isn't like an elephant pregnancy. It's not debatable. We had like a set in stone amount of time and everything under the sun happened. It was strange to me. That's true, because that is like at that point then it's gotta be within four months that Bette Midler almost marries Spalding Gray. So in oh, that yeah. time, she almost gets married. She meets somebody, gets engaged to them, breaks it off, comes back. And now he's married. That's a really good point. So oh, what the oh, fuck? Oh, man. I did not even realize that. You're right. They're moving that really never fast. Jolly is pregnant when Cece leaves, and that is when she breaks off the engagement. And Hillary, you're right. She's at, she's showing. She's at least four months pregnant. Even if I think it was she a even says I'm in romance, and yeah. she got they got engaged after a week. You're right. That means that within like three months, Spalding Gray met another woman and got married to her. Which I mean is totally possible, but it, sometimes right, it kind of felt like they fast. were running through stuff. Yeah, like that, that's a really good point that I did not pick up on. Wow, yeah. that that's good watching, Christine. Totally. It doesn't ever, it doesn't change really my opinion about this, this movie whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, I'm the same way. Like it, it won't. Like I could watch this and say there are problems with it in terms of structure, definitely, and like some of the details. But I just, I mean, part of it's. And Jason, I know, is the same way. I'm a huge Bette Midler fan. Oh, please. And, like, this was made... I don't know if the... I mean, I've never read the novel. I don't know if the character is as Bette Midler in the novel. But this was clearly a movie that Bette Midler was brought onto. And I don't know... I don't think she's, like, a producer. But She is. She was a producer. She is a producer. Because it's just such a, like... This Bette Midler is basically playing Bette Midler and covering her career in a sense. It's like, oh, this is right. when she hit it on Broadway. This is when she was a famous singer. Now this is when she kind of was doing shitty movies and couldn't get cast in anything. And I, that works because I think Bette Midler is just so committed to it. And I, Bette Midler is one of those actresses that, like, when she wants to do something, she's going to give it her all. And, like, she clearly was totally into this movie. Oh, absolutely. 
This is like the anchor of her career. I think this is the thing that most people know her from. Um, not only the movie, but the song, The Wind Beneath My Wings. Yep. That oh, is God. her iconic song. Remember when she came out to sing for Johnny Carson when yeah. he um, and she, yeah, and she comes out and she says, oh, you know, I can't believe it. The last guest, the last fool, Mr. Carson will have to suffer gladly. You are the wind beneath my wings. And everybody in the uh, audience is like, whoa, oh, yeah. yeah. They start applauding. And then she sings a different song. She was just saying the line and everybody for a minute is like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> then she sings uh, one for my one for the road, and you could tell the entire audience is like, "Oh, uh-huh. but- are you, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it?" Yeah. Uh, oh no, she didn't do it. But- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, and that's like a Bette Midler thing, like always keep them wanting more. Yeah, yeah, she's good at that. When I saw her recently, as you know, I am very good friends with Bette Midler's butler. I don't which, know, which if is not know. a lie. Like that's the truth, and I think yeah. it's amazing. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. He, and like, I insisted on becoming his best friend when I found <laughs> this out. I don't even think he cares for me much, but we're best friends now. <laughs> um, so I got to go to a show that she put on recently, and it was well, it wasn't just her show. It was. Um, a show of like all 70s performers it was called like get up and dance or something and it had like uh i don't know people from the 70s like bread hot and smooth i don't know bands uh I like, like di- earth wind and fire say, it had people from the 70s earth wind and fire earth wind and fire is what i was trying to think of what did i say red hot and blue <laughs> Something um, like that. So Earth, Wind, and Fire, and um, the village people were there, uh, including the super hot new cowboy. Ooh. Have you seen the new cowboy? No. Look, look up the new cowboy. He's new. Like a lot of the other ones are the original members. The cowboy's new. My God. Nice. Ho- hopefully he'll keep using that Patrick Wilson eye cream and stay yeah, scrumptious forever. He looks delightful. But it was them, and she came out and she performed like – I don't know, five or six songs. And Bette Miller's not really a dance. She doesn't really have dance songs. I mean, she has Do You Want to Dance as one of her songs, but she's they're not really dance numbers. But she came out, gave it her all, entertained everybody, looked amazing, and then she was just out. And my friend, the butler, said, uh, I was like, you think she's backstage? Are you going to see her? He was like, no, I guarantee, this was like two minutes after she left the stage. He said, no, I guarantee she's already in the car, headed home. She'll be in bed within 20 minutes with face cream on and curlers in her hand. <laughs> Well, it's like when she Barbara Streisand made that uh, Seth Rogen movie, and like they just they built a film studio like next to her house because like, yes. they really wanted her in the movie. But she's like, "Well, I don't drive anymore," and they're like, "Okay, we'll bring the movie to you." Yeah, and and I love that movie because like she was like, "All right, I'll do the movie, but I want to wear a jumpsuit and sit in a car." And they're like, "Okay, whatever, we'll- whatever you want, whatever." Whatever. <laughs> yeah, like you can't do she that won. if you're I don't know Christina Milian. Like you gotta. You you earn it, and few women have. Yeah. Bet has, Barbara has, Dolly has. Yeah, takes a while to get there, but when you do, fucking mm-hmm. milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, I mean, you might have to do a lot of really shitty avant-garde New York theater. Which can we talk about? Uh, sure. The so when I was younger, like. Okay, so I used to watch this movie a lot, and I had this soundtrack on cassette, and I used to listen to it a lot, and I thought the, like, industry charity Hope hope song was, like, really cool, and, like, oh, that's what, like, Broadway is going to be like, and watching it, like, this time as a grown-up, Brad and I were both just cracking up, because it really, like, I mean... You guys, I'm sure, have friends that are actors. Like, you've had to go to some of these shows, and you have to sit there, and you have to not laugh, and that's really hard. Um, Oh, yeah. Especially when you know, like, to the person sitting two people away from you, like, they think this is life-changing. Right. And, like, I love how over-the-top it is. 
Uh, and then, of course, I love on the flip side how great the Otto Titzling song is. Oh, it's the best song ever. Yeah, I don't know why I have been not been calling bras Titzlings all this time. Yeah, well, you know, it's always tricky. Like in a movie, if you're going to say how good a show is or how good anything is, don't show it. That's the key. Like, what's that movie with uh, you're the man now, dog? What is that movie? <laughs> Um, Finding Jefferson or whatever the fuck that movie's called with 007. Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester? Wait, was that the movie? Oh, yes! Oh my god, I know exactly what you're talking about. Just explain this to me for the first time. Wait, this is the Sean Connery and... Is it Chewetel? Maybe it's nobody. No, it's the kid. I think it's the kid that was in Save the Last Dance, wasn't it? Oh, is it? And Buster Rhymes plays the brother, right? It's been so long, but in that movie, they talk about this kid is like the best writer in the world, you know, like, and everybody wants him and they want him to be like, they're going to give him book deals, et cetera, et cetera. And then they actually like read part of what (laughs) he's doing. And you're like, oh, that's just, that's nothing. That's bullshit. That's script writing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to talk about how amazing something is, just never show it. So like, but if it's something that's like kind of bad, yeah, definitely show it. Like the auto titsling show the crap out of that but then this industry charity song that like gets rave reviews in the new york times like no maybe don't show that one but uh, what i wonder i don't know would you think it was intended to be to like look like it was great or do you think it was intended to look like pretentious new york city avant-garde theater Oh, well, I don't know. The, well, the Times liked it, so it's probably pretentious bullshit. Exactly. Like, I don't know. It's it's funny thinking of it now because as a kid, <laughs> I bought it. I'm like, yeah, that's great stuff. As a grown-up watching it, especially with Brandon, who's, who's like, I like active. your voice of yourself. <laughs> that's what I sounded like. Yeah, first <laughs> When I – wait, dude, this is why I, people were afraid of me, remember, because I was pushing their faces in the mud if they didn't like the musical theater I liked, apparently. But, like, I took it as a grown-up. I'm like, this is tongue-in-cheek, and it's kind of mocking how earnest this was. But I don't know if that was Gary Marshall's intention. I really don't. Uh, Well, it's always tricky when you show a part of a show, too. Like, when I was a kid and watching watching this movie, I kind of just thought I had no exposure to Broadway. And I kind of just thought, like, oh, that's a Broadway show. Like, this one song is the Broadway show that she's doing. (laughs) Especially if Muppet State Manhattan kind of makes you think that, too. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everything made me think that. And right. so I believed that for years. So I didn't realize that that's, that's one number in a bigger scale mm-hmm. of something. So maybe that I, I – like, I, Christine, can you actually write that movie, too? As soon as <laughs> yes, you're done please. with the other will, movie? I'm will right you, on it. No, write a whole bunch of Broadway with, shows that are just one song. Yeah. Okay. Or no, write – I want you to write the story around the one show, the one number that we see, like in what's that oh, movie the with the uh, Faith uh, Hope that that number? Yeah, I want you to write the show around that. You know, if I you was write like, the book teaching a writing that. class, I would make those those exercises. I would like any movie that had that one song scene. I'd be like, okay, write the rest of that play. Right? I think oh, that, that would be really genius. fun, wouldn't it be? Yeah, yeah. Or at least write a spec script for it, or you know, an outline. Yeah, or tell me what happened. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, we oh, should that's a... start a school, guys. We totally yeah, should. I'm loving this it. idea, you guys. Yeah. The only problem is that we're not going to have an anti-bullying policy. No, right? Because <laughs> I thrive in that atmosphere. So, right? We have a hundred strikes. <laughs> that's right. Um. Okay, so let's talk about the friendship. 
Well, first, okay. let's talk about the brilliant casting of Maya Bialik as young Bette Midler. Well, yeah, because when uh, I saw, you know, I loved her in this movie. And then when Blossom came out, you know, the whole, did you watch Blossom? Either of A you little watched? bit. Of not, not regularly. I knew of course. Of her, but... I did. Good. I knew you would, Christine. <laughs> and so, like, the whole thing was her mom had abandoned her and went to be a singer in Paris. And, like, uh, there, there was, like, a mystery about, like, they said that her mom was going to come on the show. You're like, ooh, who's going to play your mom? Obviously, I was Midler. like, well, Bette Midler's going to play her mom. That would be amazing if they cast Bette Midler. And then they ended up casting Melissa Manchester, who I don't even know the, who the fuck that is. Person. It sounds like that, Hillary Whitney type person. Yeah, I, I assume that she's probably really big. She's one of those people they mention on AbFab that I just kind of pretend that I know. Okay. Like Lulu. Like by context clues, I kind of figure out who these people are. Like I'm assuming my Melissa Manchester. One Direction and like Boy Bands. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that's uh, it's, uh, Yeah. Yeah, well, I know that Zayn recently had a, a solo hit released. He left. Oh, okay. he's the one that left. Okay. He's the one that left, and now he has a solo hit. It's the only reason I like know One Direction is they were an answer on like Jeopardy once or twice. So now anytime there is a category about modern pop music, I just keep saying One Direction, hoping it's an answer. Sometimes it is. Oh, I usually say that lady with the butt, whose name I can't remember now. Who's that lady with the butt? butt. Nicki Minaj? You know, Nicki Minaj. Oh. Yeah, that's usually my standard answer. I didn't know she had a butt. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna file that. Well, job. most of us do, Emily. <laughs> there but are those who but, don't. But that's she why has a butt. Um. So apparently, it was like a month, like four month long process to cast Maya Bialik on the DVD. There's an, there's a like special where they talk to her about it, and she says in part because you're watching, you're like. Dude, if she walked into a room at that age, you would stop oh, yeah. casting. You're like, that is young Bette Midler. But what, what she was saying was because she didn't have red hair, they were like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work, which is just insane. Yeah, it's hair dye hadn't been invented in 1988. <laughs> Apparently not in 1988, yeah. Um, but so these uh, two girls become friends. They sort of are very different, but that's kind of the charm in that they are of different worlds and such. Um, there's one stretch that I really like is I really like the stretch of them living together in Manhattan. Oh God. That's my favorite that was part my of dream. the movie. Yeah. It's as a little gay kid living yeah. in rural Illinois. That was my dream oh, to yeah. move to the city, live in a shitty apartment yep. with a, with my best friend. We'd have sing-alongs of Christmas carols late at night. We'd have a friendly homeless lady just outside that we talk to all the time. Always We'd have drunk. to bang on the radiator mm-hmm. to get the heat Send set the up. Heat up! Yeah. Ah, that yeah. was my dream. And like it is like if, you know, we've we've all kind of I think been poor in New York City. And like yeah. all of those things are kind of true. Like there is that mm. you know, like it's not I mean not quite like beaches, but there's like those little things of your neighborhood and of your apartment that like you know, you, you don't necessarily appreciate them at the time, but like later yeah. when you're on in life, like you're the like, guy oh. shitting at the bus stop. Totally. Like, yeah. I remember when I had mice, <laughs> like those kinds of things. Well, Emily, do you know Sabas that lives in this neighborhood? For the listeners who don't know, Emily and I live like five blocks from each other in the same New York City neighborhood. Do you know Sabas? I don't think I do. Oh, you probably know him by sight. He always wears a poncho, he has like a fisherman's hat, he has a long gray beard. Wanders is he around the, killer the park. And I, and I know what you did last summer. <laughs> it looks a little bit like. Be careful. It. He's, he's terrified me on more than one occasion late night in, in the park. 
but um, he's like the friendly neighborhood crazy homeless guy, and okay. but he's very sweet. He used to come into the store that I work in. I always give him stuff. I'd give him soda. I'd give him beverages. So uh, we kind of do have our mm-hmm. local neighborhood hobo. Yeah, it's a nice thing. So, so it's basically true. Everything totally. they say in this movie is true. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> other thing that I think that I really appreciate watching the movie now is the their fight. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. that scene where they just let each other have it. And then the scene later when they kind of make up, but the scene where they're kind of going over that. It's if you've ever had like a fight with a friend that close, it they can get so ugly because you know each other at a certain level that, yeah. you know, you know all those things that the other person doesn't want to admit about themselves. And when you say them, it's ugly, but I think it's done so well. And the scene with them in the department store where the whole time they've both been just – there's all of this stuff under the surface. And they both play it, I think, really well. And then when they just let it out – but it's still kind of stiff because they're still in public. And they're not you know, they're not going to slap each other, but it's just all these words. Uh, I actually love that. I, I do too. I love how it was played um... – just awkward up until that point until they yeah. finally started fighting. It was just like something is off in this friendship. Yep. Whereas they used to be in, in sync and they used to understand each other and they would do dance numbers and they'd sing. Mm-hmm. Now they just can't seem to find the rhythm yeah. together. I liked that. Cause I understand that. Like the people that you think uh, have been friends for years, you get back together and it's just not the same for a little while. Yep. It takes a while to fall into it. Especially and that's scary. Become an uptight waspy snot. Right? Yeah. So are we all Team CC, or do, like, now that we're older, do we see Hillary's point of view a little more? Um, I thought she be. was ir- irrational a lot of the time. That's fair. Yeah. I just I'll didn't understand why she didn't say what was on her mind. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, like, as a kid, I was just poor, like, Hillary's such a bitch. Uh, but watching it now, I could see the flaws in CC more... And what I, what I really like is that the movie, like, isn't afraid to make that character so over-the-top and self... Like, she is really selfish. And that's there, and they don't hide it, and they make her a diva right from the beginning. And But there, she's still really likable, because A, she's Bette Midler, and B, like, they give her moments. Like, she gives the drunken lady money all the time and everything. And I think right. that keeps her... It keeps you from just being, like, annoyed or kind of dismissive of her. Um, but, yeah, especially after the fight and late, like, through all the Spalding Gray stuff, when, like, you start to see, like, yeah, Cece is, you know, needs to work on herself a little more. Well, and also everything that Cece does comes from, like, kind of a place of comedy, I think, when she's singing um, – in the in the nightclub, you know the vitamin song, and afterwards she asks her boss for uh, an advance, a fifty dollar advance, and he says no. You know he's just looking down at his books, and he says yep. no. And she's like, "What kind of place is this? Is it? <laughs> am I am I in the in the gulag? Or is this a? a I work you know, here every day. Yeah. Am I a slave for you? I work and I work and I work. And he just hands her fifty dollars, and she's like, "Oh, thank you so much." He just kisses him, like he doesn't miss a beat. Yep. You know, like the the people that like respond to her, like she like. Nothing is ever too serious with Cece. Yeah. It's always, even when things are kind of bad, she still has a fun point of view about mm-hmm. them, and she can make people get her, get them on her side that right. way. And, and I, I appreciate that about that. That character. is the that is also she, you know, is a child actor, and 
you know, is a performer from the beginning. And so she is always kind of auditioning her whole life. She's always living as if she is on stage. And you could see where that can be, like, in a way, you could see where on one hand, her best friend has to be somebody like Hillary and has to be somebody like, excuse me, but the wind beneath her wings. The, exactly. That's you know? what I was thinking. And on the other hand, how exhausting that would be for that friend. Because you do always have to clean up her messes. And you do, yeah. you know, you're never going to come first until finally at the end of the movie you do. A beautiful face without a name for exactly. so long. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of my, that I just picked up on tonight, favorite part of the movie, the funniest part, is when – um, uh, Hillary, is that her name? Hillary, Hillary yeah. yeah, is working at the ACLU, um, and <laughs> and CC and CC comes in and tells her she was like, "Guess who got the part?" And Hillary says, "I bet it wasn't the hand walking queer." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, the ACLU has changed a lot in the past twenty so years." Completely took that, forgot that. They're in the ACLU when that happens. I just, I'm yeah. just thinking of it as a social work office, but you're absolutely right. That would never fly today. Oh, man. The irony of that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. There are hand-walking Americans is what we call them <laughs> now. Right. Um, oh, man. the uh, A couple of actor sightings that were fun. There, Tracy Reiner shows up as a flight attendant and – that's Betty Spaghetti from A League of Their Own. She's oh cute. I yeah, didn't she, know that. she's Gary. She's Penny Marshall's daughter and Rob Reiner's daughter. So, okay, you know niece nepotism there. Um, did you? Did either of you recognize? And Jason, you should because you just watched a movie with him in it, presumably. Um, did you recognize a little boy who plays with Victoria's daughter? Yes, obviously. Uh huh. Oh wait, I didn't. The one that she is like, keep working on the sandcastle. I'll be yes. back to check yes. the work. Yes, he's got the stupid duck face. And he was a giant bulbous eyes. Uh, he's the little he. Well, he was a child actor. He, as an adult, he was on an episode of Glee. I know, but he was in Nightmare on Elm Street Five. He is the titular. Dream oh my child. God, he's Jake, Jacob. Yeah, yeah, and he's in Demonic yes. Toys, and I think he's in Full House too. Yeah, I mean, he, oh Jurassic Park. That's what Brandon. Brandon's like he was in Jurassic Park. I'm like he was in Demonic Toys. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I I go with Brandon on this one. Yeah, yeah he's the I kid think... that like in the very first scene where Sam Neill is threatening to velociraptor him. Yeah, yeah. I think yep. uh, he has become a big gay rights activist, if I'm not oh, mistaken. That's awesome. Yeah, he was on an episode of Glee that was kind of funny, except it was really just a rip out, rip off of the scene in Bring It On, where he plays like the special guest star um, coach for the team, and he's really just doing the exact same thing that they do in Bring It On, so it's not that funny. But oh, good for him. Um, the something else that we thought of as we watched this movie was the cat in, in this movie. Brandon and I kind of became obsessed with the cat. Yeah, me too. Because like the cat, like, the little girl is just constantly like carrying the cat around. Oh, that poor cat! And that's what we kept saying every time they show the cat. We'd be like, "Kill me, kill me!" <laughs> but I would really like to see this movie re. It, by the way, this movie is being remade with Adina Menzel. Which is oh, really? I heard that, but I want to see a remake from the cat's point of view. Oh, interesting, Christine, get on that. Okay, <laughs> I'll jot it down, please. Yeah. Add it to the, list. Cat, the cat's name was Pouncer, so I've already really tried to get inside the character's head. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> I he didn't seem like a his pouncer, name. Though. He was very sedate. He really was. He was chill. I kept saying, like, I was worried about him on the beach. Like, what if he just runs away? Yeah, but, but I guess not. some cats are cool with that. You know? Yeah, they always came. They always come back. 
the very Never next worked. day. Yeah, there you go. You think they're uh, a lot of, I, I thought that little Victoria was a really good child actor. I really liked her. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that she was great. And she hasn't like, done much. Like she, I mean, she has a couple of other credits, but she didn't, doesn't seem like she continued to act. Yeah, I the, I looked her up as well, and there was a period where she was she was working kind of steadily, and then she took a huge break, and then yeah. she came back. Oh, she's been in like so. I was looking at her IMDb credits, and there are like I kept seeing things that I was like, oh, she was in that, but it wasn't the that that yeah, I was thinking I noticed of. That too. It's like oh, she was in the hours. Oh no, it was a short film. Oh, she was in yeah. Videodrome. Oh no, that was a short film. Oh, she was in Once More with Feeling, but I was oh no, that's no, a movie that, with yeah. that title. She, I mean, and she's then she was in a movie. She actually grew up to like from those pictures, she grew up to be a beautiful woman. She she looks like a real housewife. Like when I looked at her, I was like, oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Because did you know the little girl from the first Halloween is a real housewife now? The little girl from the first Halloween. The, that she's babysitting. Well, that like across the street, Tommy's neighbor. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. That she's Yeah. She's one of the real housewives of something now. I think Beverly Hills. And I thought that's what had happened to her. And this woman, little Victoria, was also in this movie called God Bless the Child. And but I was like, oh, that, that movie. Yeah. With with Kim Basinger, but no, it's not that one. <laughs> that was just bless the child. Yeah, and then she's in a movie called Camp, and I was like, oh, I love Camp. Camp this is great. Is another movie oh, not called that, Camp. not the one with Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she's always in the B-rated version of something <laughs> oh, that I actually like. She's like the Asylum version of yeah. you know Anna Kendrick or something. Right. That's a shame. Did you I, did you read on the IMDb, B, IMDb trivia that Barbara Hershey's screen tests were filmed when they were doing big business? Well, it's funny. We watched it on the DVD. On the, the DVD actually has a lot of special features, and we watched the screen test, and we were both, like, watching the scene. We're like, where are they? They look like they're in a giant, like, hotel, and they were. Yeah. I love big business, by the way, but I haven't well, seen it in 20-something years. So. It's uh, it's so much fun. I remember the Siskel and Ebert, Ebert review of that where they didn't like the movie, but they're like, I could tell they had a lot of fun making this movie, <laughs> so I'm going to give it a thumbs up. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, that's one I've been itching to revisit, and I'm curious how it holds up. Yeah. I, everybody, I mean, I'm sure I'd love it. There's so much nostalgia with that, just yeah. like there is with this. Another it's so hard. early film where, like, Clue, I think, was the first film where, I like, somebody had to explain to me what gay meant. Big Business was another one, because there are gay characters in that movie, and I didn't quite get it when I saw it as a kid, and, like, but it was explained to me. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. How many times was it explained to you until you finally got it? <laughs> I think, like, once. <laughs> Did you I get it I just now? needed it explained. Every time it came like, up. Like, there was a joke, and, like, I didn't, like, there was a joke about Fire Island, and, like, I'm from Long Island, so I had friends that go to Fire Island, and I didn't get why that was funny, and I think, like, I don't know if it was my mom or dad, but I kind of broke it down. I'm like, okay, I get it. Christine, this is a real problem. Every time she comes over, she was like, how do you and Eddie share a one-bedroom apartment? I just don't understand it. <laughs> it just it seems, I mean, Bert and no, Ernie it. don't. They have seven and I, beds. And I have to explain it to her every single time, and Guys, she never understands. It's because I, have, I got hit by that car, and I have short-term memory loss and all of that, you know. Oh, right. Brandon's taking you on first date. 50 first dates. Every <laughs> single day is, is a new one. It's the, it's yes, the start one. every yeah, day over again. Totally. Um, I do this podcast. Oh, did you know also that Maya Bialik didn't do her own singing? You know, I thought I wasn't sure about it, and then I, I learned about it during the um, interview with her. 
but we Brandon made the point. He's like, wow, that was fantastic lip syncing and syncing up. Yeah, it looked so good. I never knew that till today when I looked at the trivia. Yeah, I always thought it was her because lip syncing isn't easy. Like it's no. it's really difficult. And I wonder if they had her sing and then had a singer if they did it the other way where they had oh, her maybe. sing live and then dubbed it over because it's really well done. So yeah. whoever did that, okay. So the costume designer didn't know what they were doing. The you know. So there's a lot of issues with the technical aspects of this movie, but not the person that synced up the lip syncing. Yeah, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I also remember, do you remember at the end of the movie, after um, uh, Barbara Hershey is diagnosed with her viral cardiomopathy or whatever it's called, She, um, her daughter mentions that they have like the similar hands. Uh, they have the same hands, and then Barbara Hershey freaks out, and she's trying to look for pictures of her mother's hands because her mother had died, I think, of like the same thing, um, heart disease or like some heart-related issue earlier um, when she was young. And as a kid, I didn't understand that. I thought that – so for years, this is one of those <laughs> things you believe as a kid, and then one day you're like, well, wait, that's stupid. Wait a minute. So I thought you could tell from somebody's hands if they have had heart disease. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> So a lot of times I'd look at somebody like I used to work with this woman. Um, I think her name is Cheyenne or Charlene, something like that. And she had a lot of heart problems and she was constantly going to get tested. And I remember looking at her hands. I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, I can see. Yep. Oh, those totally, are heart yeah. disease hands. You're getting Barbara Hersheyitis. Yep, exactly. That's why your lips have swollen up so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but your hair, however, looks fabulous all the time. Yeah. Do you, you know, do you, I'm sure you have this with people as well, like in your life, the people you're really close to, that shorthand. So, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> oh, my God. You don't have, let me see your hands. Oh, God, no. Oh, my lips are swelling. No. <laughs> um, so, but uh, when my mom was alive, we, she, anytime she wanted to reference Barbara Hershey, she could never remember her name, but she was like, oh, who's that actress? You know, the, and she'd like pull her lips <laughs> out lips, yeah. really big. And I'd be like, Barbara Hershey. Hershey. Like, that's all it would take. You know, like you have that shorthand with people like, oh, who's that lady with the face? And you're like, Tiffany and Matheson. Like yeah. 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 That was mean. I didn't mean to be mean, but it's usually what we meant when we said that one with the face. Wait, who was the one with the Renee face? Zellweger. Oh, yeah. This See, is like I'm... pre all the stuff about like, you know, the, the kind of defense of her, which I'm totally, I totally am not anti her anything. But like back in like the late 90s, like when you said the one with the, the, the you know, the, the mm, like you, you pull your lips together, you met Renee, Renee Zellweger. See, whenever I said the woman with a face, it was Tiffany Ambrosiason because I thought she had a huge face. She does have a big face. <laughs> she just yeah, has like, it's like head. a stop sign. It just doesn't end. <laughs> oh, head. boy, it is. Yeah. She like turns her head and there's just more face. It's just the biggest face I've ever seen. She looks like a walking candy apple. <laughs> She's a beautiful girl. Though. She is, She's yeah. Beautiful. And she also always had hair that kind of accentuated it too. Yeah. yeah. The 90s wasn't good for hair. Now I'm trying to think of like other actresses I have shorthand for, but it just ends up sounding mean. So... Yeah, I know. We should get away from this, <laughs> like, right. insulting actresses' looks. They're all beautiful, obviously. Yes. Um, well, John Hurt, I eat let's, talk about, let's, let's, insult act, let's, let's instead play on the men. So were you all like, ooh, hot John Hurt in the 80s? Um, is, no. Is that the main man? Well, he's the guy that, um, that Cece married. Not Spalding Gray. Um, he's the one that Cece marries. Uh, that she sang to when she was a rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> People who haven't seen yeah. this movie are really confused <laughs> like, by a lot of fuck yeah, no. <laughs> So yeah, he I didn't ever think that he was younger and yep. he looked he looked good and I was like, Hey, hey hot guy, but then he doesn't look good now. So I know I saw into the future and it wasn't good. 
That's that's a good way to, to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy that um, Hillary marries, I thought he was really Delphi. And I think he still looks really good, too. He, yeah, um, James he's Reed. He's, he's, I don't know. He's just very, like, kind of handsome waspy. He, you know what he is? If he were that age today, he would have starred in four Hallmark movies in the last two years. Oh, see, I think that he probably – and I, I should pull up his IMDb. I bet he's a CW dad. Like, he had to be a Gossip Girl yeah. dad or something like that. It would not surprise me in the, in the slightest. Yeah. yeah, but he was a handsome guy. He – but yeah, there's not many, not much eye candy in this movie. No, and I think that's okay because I even the one thing I can't decide if I like or not. I, I can never decide if I like the fact that there is a bit of a love triangle thing going on. Because on one hand, I think it does open up and reveal certain things about the characters. Um, there's something really very believable, and every woman can relate to that moment when. Maybe a guy you're interested in or just a guy totally doesn't look at you and looks at your friend. Yeah. And I think that's – that is interesting and a part of this friendship and this relationship. There's just another part of me that's kind of like, oh, but I just – I never want a movie about or a story about women to come down to a love triangle because honestly, I don't know that I've ever known a woman – like an actual friends in my life who had that issue. Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you, either of you, Christine or Emily, not, maybe not a love triangle, but like, have you experienced this where like somebody, you were interested in someone and your friend actually ended in up dating school, that person? In high school, yes. Okay. Not with me, but with friends. Like I remember me. one friend had a crush on a boy and her other friend who was much more like your typical kind of skinny hot chick ended up dating him and it was kind of like, oh, that was uncomfortable. Oh, but not you. That not wasn't me, no. Oh, how about you, Christine? I don't think so. Um, no, not 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 like so. Maybe somebody that like I had a crush on or thought was hot. Somebody else, I like slept with them. Like when I was yeah. in restaurants and stuff. But right. never was it somebody that like I had, like I had an, like a real rapport and like a, a relationship with, like on good speaking terms, friendly with. Never yeah. did they end up dating someone that I was also friends with. Like, it was never, like, an intertwined grouping of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the movie, it's... I think it is handled... If you have to have that plot, I think it's handled as well as it can be. Because it's not... It doesn't come from a place of of spite. It's... Hillary is honestly interested in him. Yeah. And feels bad about it. And when Hillary comes home, she feels bad. She immediately... She knows... Like, there, I have to deal with my best friend, but I also really like this guy, and I have to be completely honest about it. There's no, no subterfuge. Right. I think the thing that kind of bothers me the most about it is that the, the movie could have existed without that, because she could have, Hillary could have just been jealous of her. Like, or they could have been mutually jealous of each yeah. other because of their such, such different lives and different positions right. in life. The other one doesn't pr- really understand, you know, grass is greener type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there is something, I guess in a way it almost balances things because it's harder to understand why Cece would be jealous of Hillary at that point once she's rich and successful and has a career. Well, because she's selfish. She wants a, she wants everything. It's yeah, all about her. But it, 
I guess to always have that that kind of inner knowledge of, but my husband, if he had the choice, wouldn't have picked me. Yeah. I think that does fuel the character and does add to kind of the complication of their relationship. I just, I feel like in general, a rule should be if you're writing a movie about female relationships. And this was something I loved about Pretty Little Liars for so long. And they, they eventually gave into it, but even when they did, they didn't make it too much of a thing. Was that a show about four teenage girls who are all beautiful and all relationships, everything? And they never, until the last season, had a moment where their friendship was tested by both of them being interested in the same guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I yeah, never realized I that. that was such a good choice for the show. And just... Because it's so easy to go the other way because it's such an easy thing to rely on. But A, I think it ends up coming off as very anti-women and very – it's that whole pitting females against each other thing that I think is so problematic. Uh, And B, like it's it's not real. Like it's not a real problem we face. Like I'm sure some people do in certain areas of life and when you're in high school, sure – but, like, I don't know, as a grown-up, I can't think of any of my friendships, and not just mine, but, like, friends of friends, where a relationship ended because of a man coming between them that way. Like, a man coming between them where suddenly, oh, my friend got married to a guy I really don't like and don't think is good for her, and I think she's yeah. changed as a result. That's yeah, what but happens you've to never, us as grown-ups. Not but you've that. never been on a train with, with Adam Lambert and Christine together at the same time. That could throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing. That's a, That's a really good point. point. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that could bring this whole show crum- crumbling to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I really, I, I have no idea. I don't know anything about women. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, basically. Let or at me, least let, not nearly as much as Adam Lambert knows. Let me explaman you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All about this. <laughs> oh, God, I love this movie so much, though. And I, the musical aspects of it, it's I had the cassette as well, and I listened to it comple- over and over on a loop, except the second side, which was just the score. Um, so, but, uh, like, all the musical numbers in it, over and over and over again. This was the beginning, I think, of my Bette Midler fi- fixation, and I'll fully own that like that's my I, I have a lot of OGTs, your obviously gay traits. <laughs> ben Midler's my biggest one in the world. I'll live and die for that woman. Um I'll do I'll see anything she does, I'll buy anything she tells me to. Her and Oprah, those are my two biggest. And this was the beginning of it, and that's why this movie holds such a special place in my heart. I think that's reasonable. Cause Christine, overall, where did you what did you end up thinking? I thought it was okay. Did you um, cry? No. Oh, do you cry at movies? Um, yes, like a okay. baby. Okay. I didn't. I didn't cry at this. I kind of. Um, I was in it probably the first half, and then it started to feel very long. Mm. Um, towards the end, like once we kind of got to the point where we realized where Bet was going, yeah. and Barbara Hershey was sick, and we knew she was sick. I was. I think I was even still in it up until the point where she was like, well, let, c- come with us for the summer to the beach or whatever. But then it just felt long. And by the time she, you know, the tragic thing that happens mm-hmm. inevitably does happen. I was kind of like, meh. I can see that. I think the pacing isn't great. It's, it is, I mean, it's, I think it's about two hours. It's so it's longer yeah. than your average movie. Yeah. And I, a, like we said, the timing is very inconsistent, but it, is where you rush so much of the big things and then you have like a solid probably half hour of dying and there's a lot to it 
Um, here's a question. Do you think you needed the framing or do you think that hurt it? It's um, interesting. I'm sorry, Christine, please. No, go ahead. Go. It's I, interesting like that you think. this movie is kind of set up like um, Pulp Fiction when you think about it. <laughs> it's really out of sequence. Like the very first scene is – Almost modern day, it's but not the middle quite. of the movie, yeah. Yeah, and then it flashes back, way back, and then it flashes forward a little bit, and then you come to the present, and then you're a little bit past that. It, it's all out of sequence, and I never really realized that it doesn't get the due for being Pulp Fiction-y until today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't know – I don't think it hurts it. Um, if anything, maybe it gives a little context because I think the timing is so poorly plotted that, like, you know, oh, eventually we're going to get to this point where Bette Midler is this age and she is crying and going somewhere. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm not sure it needed it, but I don't know that it hurts it. I don't know. I, I couldn't really make decisions. So I was curious if either of you had strong feelings. What do you think, Christine? Um, I don't think it hurt it. I don't necessarily think it was necessary, though, especially because it doesn't follow through the whole film. Mm-hmm. Like, it... it, it we we catch up to where she is within the the movie. Yeah. So and which it, is kind of weird. And I wish it had been a little bit more. Um, this is just this is just a personal preference, but I wish it had been a little bit more epistolary. I love stories that are told through letters, and that section of the movie, yeah. I love when they're writing letters back and forth through each oh, other, yeah, and it's definitely. showing. Oh, I wish that, that happened. That's when the pacing makes sense to me. Yep. Like yeah. it's it's very clipped and and like segmented, but I get why, and it feels like we're getting somewhere. We're moving. People are yeah. changing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I um, agree with that. A question for both of you two. This is a question I've always had about the movie, and I don't know how I feel. Um, the end of the movie when Bet is sitting with Barbara Hershey on the beach and um, looking out, and she looks over at Barbara Hershey, and she has. I can't read her expression. And then she looks back out of the ocean. Did Barbara Hershey die right there on the beach? I always thought so. I did too. It reads like that. But you think that would be bigger. Yeah, like it's kind of weird when you really think about the logistics of it. Yeah. Because I'm like, what do you do? Okay, honey, like, okay, kid, you go in the other room. I have to call an ambulance to come cart your mother in, 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 you know, away to a hospital. Like... I, I get, like, the poetry of it, because it is, like, I understand her saying, like, I'm, I know I'm going to die. I don't want to die in a hospital. I want to die with my daughter on a beach. I want that fun. I want that experience. And I, I and the whole, like, symbolism of beaches, and that's where they met and all that. But at the same time, it's like, so, hey, okay, so your corpse is here. Now I got to call right. a guy. Like, they have and to go back to San Francisco. Yeah, like and... sand, so they have to, like, what do they do with a stretcher? Do they wheel it? Do they carry it over so sand? You, you do think she died there on the beach. I, I just That's how I always that. read it. Yeah. yeah. Do, Christine, you as well? Um, I kind of did assume that she died on the beach. Um, and then Zach said it's really inconsiderate because now they just have to hang out with them. Right? <laughs> and I was like, wait, I guess so. Yeah, that's a good point. Because Bet gets that really solemn look on her face. She's almost smiling and she looks over and then she's like, oh, God. Here we go. Yeah, right. Got, a, got another stiff on the beach again. 
uh, and there's that my favorite line, which I don't know if you you got my reference later. My favorite line in the entire movie is when Bet is giving the interview on TV, <laughs> and they ask her, and then she says, "You know, I'm a deeply feeling person <laughs> who feels things deeply." I, lo- I love that moment, and that's I, I, I wish there was a little more of that in the movie of like her as a celebrity and what's that yeah. what that's like because it's it is really funny when they play on it. Yeah, I, I quote I quote that line all the time. There's some movies that you just take lines from, and I always say that. And I don't even know a lot of times if I know what I'm referencing, but seeing it again today, I'm like, oh, that, yeah, that's where I got that. Yep. Yeah. Nice. All right, so do we have any more to say about beaches, or should we get to the ratings? Um, I remember when I was a kid, and ju- this came out when I was in junior high, we'd always like make fun and be like, we're going to see that movie about a couple beaches. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, oh, that's funny. That's clever. We were hilarious. That's that was very clever. Funny. Yeah, that's all, all right. I had to say. Well, it's it's a good thing that you had to say, so it's Thank okay. Uh, quality of film. Who's going? I'll go. Jason, you're our guest. You go first. Sure. Um, uh, how, how am I not going to give it a ten? I mean, it's it's iconic. <laughs> It's absolutely iconic. It's it, it set the the roadmap for all these other quote unquote chick flicks for, for years to come. It it was well made. Gary made Gary Marshall what he became, which can, <laughs> for, better for better or worse. Or worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think I have to give it a ten. It was it's perfect. It's the iconic chick flick. <laughs> okay, Christine. Um, six point five. Oh wow, much higher than Neon Demon for you. Really? Oh no, no, qu- that's, I'm sorry. Yeah, right, qual- right, right. quality of film. It's it's a it's an above average movie. Yeah, like it was coherent and cohesive. I've definitely seen things that aren't that. So, and the music, although it didn't add anything for me, I was able to kind of coast through it. Okay, yeah, for quality of film for me, I go seven because I think it does have a lot of kind of structural and style issues. But I think it's actually a really good story, and I think the acting and the comedy of it, like, I think it's a really enjoyable movie, and as much as it's not a masterpiece, it's really, it succeeds very much at what it's trying to do. Uh, Now, quality of life, Jason, I think I know your grade. Uh, like a six point ah, no come on no. <laughs> no come on it's got to be a 10 did i give a chorus line a 10 you keep track I, of that i think you, you gave chorus line a 12 okay yeah so then this would have to be a 13 13 that's fair yep christine um 5.5 okay whatever oh, i'm I'll like allow it. my life isn't much different well, we okay. didn't really sing much for you. Uh, actually, Emma, yeah, let's okay. do something yeah, real quick. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, industry, charity, faith, oh, oh, and nothing to get very worked oh, up industry. about. His inventions were failures. Oh, His future seemed bleak. He fled to the opera at least twice a week. Did that help? Yes. Awesome. Good. All right. So, like so a you're six. Now. Great, great. Awesome. Okay, good. Yeah, quality of life for me, I'll go a 9.25. Because, again, like, it's just one that I grew that. Uh, my same thing. My references uh, and so much of things I thought about the world do come from this movie because I just saw it at a really influential time in my life, and I think it did good for the world. Even though I hate most of the movies that this inspired, just because they're not for me. Um, 
this is still really enjoyable, and I had a really good time rewatching it. And I was like really pleased that it held up for me, and I it was better than I thought it was, even in a way. Even though again, I have problems, but like I wouldn't be able to sing "Wind Beneath My Wings" at karaoke if not for this movie. So that's important. And even the term "Wind Beneath My Wings" has become like iconic. Yeah, it's you don't even have to know the song or love the song to right. know that what that what that entails. Yeah, what exactly. that entails. Uh, so. so that that was our take on beaches. Um, I don't think it's streaming anywhere that I know of, but it is on DVD for like five bucks. And it's on YouTube. I watched it on YouTube again because I've seen it a hundred times. Right. I just wanted to refresh myself a little bit. But if you watch it on YouTube, they use one of those programs, I think, where it slows it down and speeds it up and like kind of distorts the audio so that like they can't get fined for putting this on um so it's this or or that it can't be searched so there's some of the songs on it they slow down the songs it's like auto titsling inventor yeah it's not good get the dvd so you can actually enjoy the real songs instead of these weird slowed down versions that i watched there's a lot of special features on there too that are worth checking out so yeah it's worth it yeah. all right so that was the movies do we have streaming recommendations for the fine people at home jason i am going to go completely off script like i said i haven't watched a lot of movies but i am going to talk about a podcast that's streaming oh. that everybody should be listening to um i mentioned one before but this one i told you about it the other day there's a mm-hmm. new podcast called buffering the vampire slayer <laughs> and it's uh, two women. Oh, I are... saw you mention this. I think oh, it's the best thing I've ever listened to. It's so great. They're two women. They're a couple, a lesbian couple, and they um, are reviewing Buffy episode by episode. They're currently still in the first season. They've only done about ten episodes so far, so I think they're just up to nightmares now. Um, okay. But the, so they're reviewing them one by one, and occasionally they'll have on guests. But the great thing about the show, they're um, one of them is a musician, and at the end of every podcast episode, she writes and performs an original song about the episode of Buffy that they just talked about. That's pretty awesome. And so I'm going to a live show on December 18th here in the city. They're going to be here and they're going to perform all of the songs. It's going to be a concert, all Buffy songs that night. I'm so excited. It's going to be fantastic. So listen to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I think I have um, uh, Patrick from Scream Queens to thank for introducing me to this podcast. So check out that podcast and check out his. Awesome. Uh, Christine, do you have one? The only thing I watched streaming that I actually liked um, was we rewatched Misery. Oh, oh so nice. good. And it was you, good. <laughs> you know I was Kathy Bates for Halloween this year. Were you really? I, I was the bearded lady from... Oh uh, my god, yes you were, I forgot. Yeah. Yay! So she has a special place in my heart. I love I, Kathy Bates. I love Kathy I Bates love and her. I do like this movie quite a bit. I know I just proclaimed that I hate all Stephen King movies, um, but ironically I don't. I think it's just the, the percentage. Yeah. There's such a high percentage of Stephen King movies that I dislike the majority of them. That's fair. Did you read the book? Did you ever read Misery? I read it really recently because we saw it on Broadway with Laurie Metcalf, who was a fabulous, and Bruce Willis, who was not. Oh, fuck Bruce Willis. I'm going to say it right here. Bruce Willis. She did all the heavy lifting on that. Of course. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was, A, I mean, it it was a great show to make your Broadway debut in because you're literally in a bed the whole movie. Yep. Um, fuck Bruce Willis, and I'm going to go ahead and come out and say it. Fuck Han Solo, too. What's his name? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Both of those people, let me tell you something. I'm sure, do they listen? They're probably listening. Probably. Yeah, they listen. Yeah. 
if you don't want to be there, don't, don't fucking be, be there. Yeah. Don't just show up and be a dick about it. Yeah. That's what both of these guys are doing nonstop now. Yep. Like every time Harrison Ford's on a talk show, you can tell he doesn't want to be there. He's on, in Star Wars. He doesn't want to be there. I was listening to a Nerdist episode, and Chris Hardwick was talking about that. And like Chris Hardwick, it seems like the nicest guy when it comes to yeah. all of that. And he was talking about like awkward interviews, and and like he usually is clearly very reluctant to ever badmouth anyone. But he kind of said, he's like, oh, the worst interview experience I ever had was Harrison Ford because he had no patience for for me and I was too starstruck to to charm him in any way. So it was just the most awkward hour of my life. And like you're just the whole time you're like, what a dick. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck both those guys. And Bruce Willis can eat shit. Yeah. But Kathy oh, Bates God. and Laurie Metcalf are both fabulous. Yeah. Goddesses. Was- so wasn't Lori Metcalf just doing her like scream two like role again? <laughs> just you know, it's it's interesting because especially if you read the book, Lori Metcalf is not right physically for that part. That right. part should be a Kathy Bates type. She is written as being this big, thick mountain woman. Yeah, and that is Lori Metcalf is a you know is a beanpole, uh, but Lori Metcalf is so fucking good that. She she nailed it. And I mean, and it was a different version than Kathy Bates. It came from a different place and it was sadder in a way. Um, but it, yeah, it was a, re- I mean, it was not a good show just because it was so one-sided, but it was interesting for that. And the, okay. the book is, I enjoyed the book, but I did have problems with the book. The book is gruesome. It really messed with my head. It, yeah, it goes, it. it's, it, it, and it gets weird because it ends up getting really crazy at the end, but it kind of leaves, it gets very manic, so it leaves stuff out. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're like, oh, did she chop off, I don't remember her chopping off his fingers, but apparently he doesn't have fingers now. Did I miss that? And oh, like, no, I remember, you remember his birthday cake. It. Yeah, and it's like, no, they just don't, they kind of start getting mad and skipping over things, but I don't think it fully works, but anyway. Um, yeah, anyway, great. Christine, we hijacked this. What did you think were you watching the movie? I'm so sorry. I liked it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, uh, it's not without its stupid Stephen King bullshit, but, um, What I is Stephen like, King bullshit? Not to get too much into mostly, it, I know. It's mostly his dialogue. I'm being very, very rude. I'm sorry, Stephen King. If and when you listen to this episode, I'm <laughs> When you're sorry. hanging out with Bruce Willis. Right? They get together guy. for a listening party once a they week. They totally do. But it's like, it's, it, I, I point... Um, squarely at the the dialogue in Dreamcatcher. If you want to know some Stephen King shit, it's every character's name and every piece of dialogue in Dreamcatcher. <laughs> and all the farts. <laughs> it's really what it is. It's like uh, Cricket and Jonesy are going down to the lake. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got it. That You saying that one line made sense. I got it. Okay. Like, but I, it's just so. There's some things that I don't like, and there there are flourishes to the to the Kathy Bates character that are that feel very Stephen King to me. And I guess she wouldn't exist without him. But there's there's sometimes too much of his what he is known for, like in that character. Um, also, it's about a writer, and and that makes me go like, oh, all right. And James Caan is really kind of miscast as that writer. He's mis you know what? And I didn't it didn't really strike me until this time watching it yeah. how miscast he is, but I still like his performance in it. Yeah. Oh, connection. 
I hate James Caan, and you know why I hate James Caan? He gave a drunk interview after For the Boys and said some really mean things about Bette Midler, that and I'll never asshole. fucking forgive him for that. No, wow. you shouldn't. He basically said she had a dog face, and he said that she wasn't con- conventionally attractive. And like they were, sw- he's like, they're trying to make her really attractive in this movie, but we've all seen Bette Midler. Blah, blah, blah. I was That's like, shut rude. your fucking Fuck mouth. Him. Look at him. He needs to yeah. look at a fucking mirror. Exactly. I hate that man. I'll never James forgive Con, him. When you listen to this. No, yeah. that you deserved that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're sitting there, Harrison Ford, punch him in his goddamn face. Yep. And then Thank punch you. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So we give we stuck it to them. Good, but that's good. right. We did. Got we are making changes in this world. <laughs> yeah. How about, uh, did you have anything, Emily? Did you already give yours? I, no, I was gonna, I was going to say mine was on Amazon Prime. I finally watched um, Obvious Child with Jim oh, Slate. I still ha- oh. I haven't yet. It's so really, good. You saw it too. It's really good, right? Christine would like uh, it too. I went on a date with the cinematographer from Step Up 3D to see that movie. Oh, how sweet! Yeah. Oh. Uh, it was. I really liked that movie, and the guy in it, the one that was in the Office, the last like season of the Office. Do you, you remember? He was like the oh, new yeah. Jim. Yeah, yeah, new Jim. That's he what was, I knew him from. He was so good in this movie. He's, He's one of those. One of those actors, I'm like, why aren't you a bigger star? Yeah. Why aren't you one of the really biggest cute, stars? Really likable. Great thighs. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I really like that movie. And I love, uh, what's her name? Jenny Julie? Slate. No, Jen- Jenny Slate. Yeah, she's she- fantastic. I want more from her. Me too. Yeah. I mean, she carries this movie. It's it's very funny. It's, you know, it is not a movie you've seen before because very few movies deal with abortion in a way that's not about how terrible it is. Like, this is a movie about a young woman who's kind of a mess, who gets pregnant and is going to have an abortion, and it's just kind of dealing with that. And- yeah, and it, but it's not glossing it over either. It's right. not like something she just, like, has a Sunday brunch abortion. It's something that she knows she's going to do, but it's, like, hard for her. It's a hard yeah. choice, and afterwards she deals with the consequences. And it kind of sucks. Internal like, consequences. Wait two weeks to do it, and then she has to schedule it. And, like... It's all these like little realities about it that I don't think anybody ever thinks of when they think of abortion because they just think of such extremes with it. Right. Um, but it's – yeah, it's this really like very raw, honest, funny movie that's really worth it. And like, Christine, I think you'd like it. Do you, I, Emily, I bet that guy that we met at the airport at Horror Hound doesn't like that movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's tell that story. We met um, – I don't remember all the details, but who was he – who did he used to be – he was in a band, right? Well, we're, we're, we fly into – was it Cincinnati or Indianapolis? I think it was Cincinnati. Okay, so we fly to Cincinnati, and Jason and I are waiting outside for uh, Andy to pick us up. And while we're waiting there, there's a guy standing there. And we're like, we're all just standing outside. I think, Jason, you were smoking. Maybe he was too. And so he Jason looks like Jason, a horror hound guy. Yeah, he too. just strikes up a conversation. Because we assume, like, oh, he kind of looks like he was going to horror hound. He's got a leather jacket on. Um, and Jason, continue. Well, we started talking to him. And it turns out that he was in some band. And I wish I could remember what band it is. I think it was it or he – God, it, does he know Anthony Kiedis? Was that the name? It's <laughs> somebody. Anyway, he used to One be direction. in a band. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I, it might have been Zane for all I know. But um, he, it turns out that he worked for an organization. He gave us his business card that was like he, pro-life, as he called it, or yeah. anti-choice. Mm, anti-choice, as I, yeah. As I called it, yeah. Um, so he worked for a pro-life organization trying to minimize the number of abortions in the in the United States. And, I told, and I, he gave us both his card, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to do you any good giving us this card because we, for one, love abortions. <laughs> I was like, I've had two I've had today. Five today. High five. 
And he was very nice about it, but it was like getting out of our New York bubble. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I forget. This forget. is the Midwest. These yeah. are the people who voted for Trump, you motherfuckers. Well, I forgot all about that. Well, there's more of us than there are of them. We know yeah, that much. Exactly. <laughs> that's the one thing I can wrap myself. States. Yep. Maybe. I can wrap myself in that. Oh, my. <sighs> I'm choosing to believe it. Yeah. Let's uh, see if Jill Stein finally does some good by getting that recount. Yeah. Uh, after the telling one... people if they don't vote for her to vote for Trump, cough, cough, yeah. Jill Stein, yeah. asshole. Anyway. Oh, God, we're going off the rails, but that's Fuck the you, one Susan good thing Sarandon. she's ever done. Gina Davis, better than Susan Sarandon. Anyway. Yep. It's, I never thought I'd say this, but fucking Grace Adler is better than Susan Sarandon. <laughs> never thought I'd Who say knew? that in my Who life. Knew? Yeah. Well, that's the big show. <laughs> We going covered, out on a high note. We covered, yep. going, we covered it. We had, you know, we, we're diverse, right? We covered eye cream. We covered um, punching Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford and, uh, I mean, this was a very long episode, so maybe James Conn, Harrison Ford, and Stephen King didn't make it to the end when we that when is possible. started saying those terrible things. <laughs> oh, I hope not. It'll be really awkward at Thanksgiving if they oh, do. God. That's like tomorrow, guys. Oh, shit. I, you know what? I'm just not going to edit this on time. Maybe I'll do it that way. It's probably for the best. Yeah, I think so. Um, Christine and I don't know exactly what we're covering next. However, there's two things you should know, everybody. One is that, again, beginning like probably the day after or before you get this episode, you're going to start getting stuffers in your stocking of me oh, talking yes. about Hallmark films. Like I said, I've already got six of them. You're going to get more. We're not even in December yet. Uh, and then the other thing, so I was asking Christine, Christine, what, which ones do you want to cover? And she had a different idea. Tell every people that you're, about your idea, Christine. Um, my idea, look, they're not all going to be that movie that I cried about that's name I can't remember. Twelve Dates of Christmas. That one. They're not always going to be that. So why why swing for the fences when we've already seen the greatness that, that these holiday times can bring us? Really why don't we just change gears and watch movies with animals talking? Mm-hmm. So and that's what we're going to do. And as anybody knows, I have no problem with that. Is um, that going to be your next episode? Uh, we got we to talk about if we should just do it as our full – do you just want to do a full-length episode on Santa Paws and Santa Claus? Sure. Okay. Our oh. next episode, uh, Santa Paws, which is about puppies, and Santa Claus, which I want to be very clear. It's about kitties. It's about kitties. There is another movie called Santa Claus, which is spelled C-L-A-W-S. The other one is like a movie from 1995, and it's a horror movie about a killer Santa, but it's really just like an excuse where – you could tell, like, guys got a small budget and they just hired strippers to be in their movie just because they wanted to see boobs. It's really bad. Don't watch Strippers that. aren't cheap. He must have had some money. You no, know, these were, like... Okay, I don't want to... These were, like, Wyoming strippers. Oh, gotcha. Okay, enough said. And, but Debbie Rashawn's in it. And, like, it's one of those movies you just feel so bad for her because she's so great. Yeah. And she's always in these really movies that are not worth her shoe kind of thing. Got um, it. Dude, that's not, we're, we're going to cover Santa Claus and Santa Paws, the movie about kittens and puppies, not about strippers. I've literally never been happier. I can't wait to hear that. We do what we can, <laughs> we do what we can for you out there. That's amazing. All right, everybody. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Jason, do you have anywhere that you want yeah, to tell people? You got to anything to plug? Just well, I don't have anything to plug, but just follow me on Twitter so you can hear my rantings. And if anybody comes back about our political rantings at the end of the show, definitely send them my way. I'm more than happy to talk to these <laughs> lousy sons of bastards. I've, so it's yeah, Fozzie Bear, B-A-R-E, F-O-Z-Z-I-E, B-A-R-E on Twitter. Yes. Christine, you have um, – you're now at Film Rejects? Um, Film School Rejects. Film School Rejects. 
which I guess is a big deal. I'm still terrified. You should um, um, post links on the Facebook page when you do that. So sure, that means people will read it though. Yes, so it will. maybe we'll avoid that for mm-hmm. now. Okay. Well, then what if I do that? I can maybe think about doing it at some right. point. People like your stuff. You shouldn't be proud of it and stuff. Thank you. You're very kind. All right. And then um, I'll plug one thing, which is December 9th on Friday, if you're in the New York, Brooklyn area, I will be doing a presentation on these Hallmark original films and what they mean. I'm so upset that I'm going to miss it. I wish you were here. Uh, that is at the New Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. Uh, I think you have to be, like, drinking PBR and wearing skinny jeans to get in. I can't confirm that. Um, I think if you just I think buy that's a ticket, just they'll, they'll let you in, too, yeah. Uh, but I will also, I guess, post that on the page. But, um, yeah, so it's a it's, – it's a, the show is called Kevin Geeks Out, and it is several other cool people talking about different Christmas stuff. I will be focusing, obviously, on what I know best, which is the Hallmark genre. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. Uh, people, please come to our Facebook page if you have things to say, or go on Twitter at Feminine Podcast. Uh, happy, this is going to probably drop like the day after Thanksgiving because I'm not that fast at editing and we had some sound issues, but I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving and has a good start to the holiday season. So, with that, I'll say good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.
the world. Leave the 